covered like one day of Comic Con last week. Yeah, there was a. Sh- I know, like the next day, I was editing and like seeing the news come up and being like, "Holy yeah. fuck! I'm glad we." I'm kind of glad we did the episode earlier, but at the same time, it would be nice to get it all at once. But yeah, oh, well, then we would have like we wouldn't have got to our like artists oh, at all. It would have just would have never just done been that, news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, let's just uh, let's get right into it then. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance, our fifty-fourth episode. Uh, Christy is still off fringing and improving and lighting up the masses with her comedy, presumably. Uh, one one hopes. One ventures to guess. Yes. <laughs> so this week it is back to just Mark and myself. Say hello, Mark. How's it going, guys? Yeah. So uh, as as what it normally happens with these sort of two man episodes, we're probably gonna kind of deep dive into something super geeky, not comics this time, and not music. So, uh, but something that I think we're gonna get a lot of mileage out of and a lot of uh, spirit spirited conversation <laughs> tim, and I, tim and i may not leave this episode as friends actually by the time it's all said and done so i think i've got some pretty good points for you so we'll see we'll see where it goes yeah we'll get we'll get into it so but uh before that um we still have a whole bunch of uh comic-con news to catch up on because uh, we recorded on friday and then you know saturday and sunday happened and there's plenty of shit going on at comic-con those days too there's a lot um, of shit that was going on this week. So yeah, there were a couple, um, a couple like experiences uh, that this is one of the main reasons that I like. I'm not super crazy about like going to Comic Con. It just seems like too fucking big. But yeah. there's a couple things that looked really cool uh, that that are the sorts of things that would potentially draw me there. And they're like these super immersive experiences that they have. Um, I'm sure you have to wait fucking forever to get into them, or okay. maybe maybe they're even like invite only. I don't know. But uh, one, they had um, a Westworld experience that basically sort of like simulates your moments up to like entering the park and stuff like that. Like you going in and getting your costume and everything and that that sort of thing. And yeah, some of the like pictures and videos and stuff like that look really, really cool. Yeah, but you got to wonder whose dick you have to suck to get into that kind of thing. I have a feeling it's mostly media that probably yeah, gets probably. invited to it sort of thing. Like they don't just, you know, or, unless you're like super rich i'm sure you probably there's probably a limited number of the tickets that you could buy or whatever but i have a feeling the vast majority of them go to like you know ign and io9 yeah. and fucking kotaku and shit and this like is that. why we need to keep doing Newsroom. this podcast so that we can get invited and go to shit like this <laughs> i'd be i'd be down for that i do have some friends uh um i'm pretty good friends with a couple of the uh people that uh run the one ring.net the biggest the yeah. big, biggest like Tolkien fan site out there, and uh, they um, for the longest time would get to go to like Comic Con and stuff like that. I think some of the members still do, just not the ones I know. Uh, would get to like go to Comic Con for free because they were like invited there to you know, run a fan table and like run panels and stuff like that. Yeah. So and they still uh, are involved with a lot of the stuff at Dragon Con as well. Well, I figured the guys who do uh, like kind of funny games and stuff like that—they're all former IGN staffers, but they're mm-hmm. pretty much just running like a, a podcast, like YouTube network at this point. So I'm like, it can be done. You can get invited to do cool <laughs> shit if you keep working on it. So maybe yeah. one day you'll see Dance Robot Dance's name in yeah, lights. We'll be, or we'll be in our 60s or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so there was that one, the Westworld one. There was also a pretty cool looking Blade Runner 2049 experience as well. Uh, you know, so they've sort of recreated that like cyberpunk world uh, or like a bar, a street or something like that, which also looked really, really neat. I'm assuming you haven't watched the new trailer for that, given that you're 
I, I'm super in the bag for that. And there's oh, yeah, yeah. so much stuff coming out. So uh, no, I don't think I watched the most recent one. But uh, that one, there's actually a fucking Blade Runner themed bar in Atlanta that's really cool and has sort of that like industrial like uh, Asian feel to it. It's called uh, Little Trouble. Um, they have a really cool. They have a really cool uh, like huge neon sign. Uh, th- with like a stylized LT logo on it out front. Uh, it's nice. really, really neat uh, and pretty good drinks too as well. Yeah. Well, maybe when I come down and visit, we'll have to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do we get? A whole bunch of uh, DC news. They seem to sort of hold off on a lot of stuff. Um, first, let's put a rumor to rest that we propagated last week. <laughs> the Affleck thing? Yeah. Yeah. Affleck has ab- you know basically categorically denied that he's going to be quitting playing Batman. He's said that he wants to play Batman for as long as he possibly can kind of thing. He, he loves the character. And uh, so, I mean, he, he was a little vague and sort of noncommittal with his answer, but it sounded pretty positive that he wants to stick with it. Well, when he quits next week, then I guess we could talk about it again. <laughs> Cause it seems like that rumor pops up every, every couple weeks. Yeah. It was, I am the luckiest guy in the world. Batman is the coolest part in any universe, Marvel, DC, and anything. I'm so thrilled to do it. It's fucking amazing. I still can't believe it. Uh, everyone at the studio tells me I'm their Batman and I believe it. And Matt Reeves, I'd be an ape on the ground for Matt Reeves. I'm blown away and it's an exciting time in the DC universe. I'm excited to be Batman. There are times, like, as much as Affleck can be a, a giant bag of shit sometimes, I do like Ben Affleck a lot. Like, yeah. there there was a, I think it's it's probably pre-Benifer shit where he would go and do press and just like, he would just shoot his fucking mouth off about whatever the fuck was on his mind. And I always really liked that. What's that like Boston uh, attitude, right? Yeah. Sort of, sort of Southie attitude. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I've always got thought that he, or felt like he has a real respect for the character and wants to see it done well kind of thing. And um, so I, I I have a feeling he's going to stick around for at least, you know, at least another, like a one or two solo movies. Yeah. Well, there's always those rumors going around. That, like the only reason he took Daredevil is because like they never thought they'd he never thought he'd get a chance to play Batman. Batman. Because by the time they thought they'd reboot it, he'd be too old. And now they're like, well, we want an older Batman, so it's perfect kind of timing and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. Like as, as much as the movies have been that have featured him so far have not been great. He's been the best part of them for the most. Well, I mean, Batman v Superman had a lot of problems, but like I don't think he was one of them. I think him and Wonder Woman kind of like made that movie watchable so no we we've had that discussion as unlistenable as it is (laughs) (laughs) um but while we're on the uh, dceu news um there was a justice league trailer that got dropped that we shared on our uh facebook page that uh i think gets me considerably more pumped for the movie at least i was pretty heavy on the steppenwolf uh which and it looks like they're gonna do him pretty well um so yeah i'm i'm I, I I mean I would have gone to see it regardless, but now I'm like yeah, actively absolutely. starting to get excited for it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm definitely like looking forward to it. I do have I'm my concern with the Steppenwolf like thing is like that's a disposable villain. Like mm-hmm. that's not something that that's really going to make a big difference down the line. I mean, it sets up Darkseid. It does. It sets up well. It sets up not only Darkseid but, but all yeah. fucking apocalypse, right? All apocalypse. Yeah, but it is kind of like. It's almost like that Marvel-esque complaint that we always have where the villains are super disposable. Like, this villain, yeah. like, Steppenwolf's probably not going to show back up. Like, he will probably die in this movie, and nobody's going to care that he's not there. It's not like a villain that's, like, a huge loss. So. Or he, like, runs with his tail between his legs and then comes back with his daddy in the next movie or something like that. Also entirely possible. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of good action and stuff like that. Um, you're starting to see a little bit of uh, Whedon's sort of feel to it. Um, it still feels very Snydery, but you can tell uh, there's a little bit of uh, Whedon's thumbprint on that too. Well, there's a rumor going around he's going to get like a director, like it's going to be directed by both of them credit. Like that's how that yeah. is going to pan out. So yeah, as long as Snyder's listed on the top, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. But also like 10 weeks of reshoots. Like that's going to be a lot of Whedon kind of yeah. reshooting. So we'll have to see how much of that Whedon stamp gets put on it. While we're speaking about the Justice League reshoots, uh, this one I think we just have to cover. Uh, the digitally removed Henry Cavill mustache. Oh, I just I just like the fact that like the Mission Impossible guys are being dicks about him having a mustache. <laughs> yeah, so the story here is that uh, Henry Cavill is currently shooting the most recent, what, Mission Impossible's five or six? This will be six, I think. Six? Jesus, I've, I think I've only watched the first three. Um, uh, actually, the last one was the last one, Rogue Nation. Yeah, that was five. Yeah. I think, yeah, the last, they've been good. Like, they're fun action movies. Yeah. They take a lot of shit because what's his name? I Nobody Tom likes Tom Cruise, but like, yeah. they're fun. They're, if anybody else was making those movies, yeah. people would be all over them. Like, they wouldn't take as much flack kind of thing. So I love the first two. I think the first two are really standout movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're fucking, like, 20 years old at this point or something like I that. I know, it's crazy, right? Yeah. That, that franchise has been going on forever. I like the third one, too, though. Isn't that the one with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that one was pretty, that one was pretty good, too. Yeah. And the other, the last two have been, like, total schlock. I'm now, now I feel like an asshole. Maybe it's not. There isn't, maybe there isn't five, but... Um, well, there was one that was Ghost Protocol, right? I think that might yeah. have been four or four or five. Yeah, I know that was the last one. Yeah. Um, and but uh, yeah, so Henry Cavill had a mustache for shooting the most recent uh, uh, Mission Impossible movie, and it's like in his contract that he can't get rid of it. So, yeah. and now they're having to shoot him in uh, Justice League reshoots, and they're ha- going to have to digitally remove his mustache. I look forward to the event, the inevitable like stage shots or like shots of him like in the costume, just yeah. like this dirty fucking mustache. production shots. Yeah, yeah it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so okay, this is this will be Mission Impossible Six. He must be working on because it's okay. Mission Impossible Two, Three, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation. Six yeah. is two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Okay. But like Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation are both just like they're fun action movies. Plus Simon Pegg's in both of them. And mm. has a pretty fun he, little like. Is he like sort of the technical guy, the guy in the yeah. chair? Yeah, for all intents and purposes. Guy in the chair. Guy in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, moving right along to some more DCEU news. Uh, apparently, the Flash movie, the live action Flash movie, is going to adapt the Flashpoint storyline. Yeah, so just it, like totally doing away with any kind of origin, which I guess you don't really need to do, and going directly into like the finale. Well, That's yeah, I mean, kind of it, yeah, well, I mean, the thing is sort of Flash's, uh, Flash's mother being murdered. So for those that don't know, Flashpoint was a story that basically invented the new 52 universe, uh, sort of a, uh, maybe six years ago now, um, DC, DC universe. And it was basically Barry Allen, the Flash going back in time to try and prevent his mother being murdered. And he just fucks up the entire timeline and just fucking you know all sorts of shit gets screwed up and he gets back to a future where thomas wayne is batman instead of bruce wayne and aquaman and wonder woman are estranged lovers and superman is a fucking stringy little uh alien that's been kept in a bunker for 30 years or something like that and this really weird uh universe um that was an interesting story but i don't know that it's what i want to see out of a flash movie 
And are they going to do all that? Sh- they, they're not going to do all that alternate timeline shit, right? I, I have so, a feeling. I have a feeling that, that you know, based on Flashpoint or adapting Flashpoint, will basically just mean that it's Barry sticking his dick in the timeline and fucks up the future, and then has to fix it somehow. They just did this on the, the pro- my problem um, is this is the plot of season one <laughs> of the Flash. Season one or season? No, sorry, season two. Season yeah. two. Either yeah. way. So this is season two and kind of the beginning of season three of the Flash. Yeah, so it is. we just saw this story play out. Yeah, and like granted, like not with big budget fucking action movie, you know, two hundred million dollar budget kind of thing. But yeah. I mean, it would be cool to have like fucking uh, oh, Negan, what's the dude's name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing playing Flashpoint Batman. That would be yeah. fucking awesome. That would be pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I saw some fan art this week of that happening. Like her, uh, what's her name? Because it's um, is it Lauren Conrad? Who plays? Uh, uh, yeah. Who played Martha Wayne? Yep. Yeah. Also from The Walking Dead. Um, I saw some fan art. Somebody had photoshopped the shit out of them to be like in bat, in bat and Joker costumes because she mm. ends up as the Joker, right? Because yeah, it's the female Joker in that yeah universe. Yeah. Um. Although there, are, I have seen a couple people saying like, well, if they want a way to get Affleck out, then maybe they just have Barry stick his dick in the timeline, and the Batman of the DCEU becomes. Thomas Wayne becomes Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I just can't see them not having Bruce Wayne, though. You know what I mean? This like, is true, but I could see Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing a good fucking Batman. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, though. I've been a fan of his since, like, the early Supernatural days. I know a lot of people have, like, Grey's Anatomy flashbacks with him, and that's not my problem, because fuck that show. I've never seen it. So, no, but so uh, skipping out of the DCEU and uh, into the DC animated movies, we uh, already discussed that the next movie is going to be Gotham by Gaslight, but they also announced the next couple movies after that. One is going to be a Suicide Squad movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, they've, they've already done one. It was it was pretty good. <laughs> I didn't mind it. So yeah, I'm not talking about the movie, like the actual movie. There was a, an animated movie. There was. Yeah. It was actually a better plot than the fucking Suicide Squad feature film well, was that, yeah. wasn't that the uh the one that was tied into the batman arkham series kind of it was like assault on arkham it was not yeah. it didn't actually affect anything in the games or anything like no, that but, but, but it, it was had... it was those versions of the character right it was the arkham versions of the characters i think i think it was more just kind of out there like it wasn't okay. really well i don't want to talk about that one anyways <laughs> because the next one is the one that i'm super fucking pumped for which is they are revisiting the death and return of Superman. Oh, again? Yeah, so they did one, The basically the first... That was the first one. It was the first uh, one of this sort of uh, series of animated movies that started in like 2007 that was basically not related to the Timverse in any way. Yeah. But yeah, they did a death of Superman movie. Um, but now apparently they're going back and they're going to do something that's uh, more faithful to the story because like with, I guess it sounds like they're going to go back and like do, you know, more of the, um, uh, the, the different, uh, replacement characters and stuff like oh, that. Really? Like, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a more faithful, it sounds like to the reign of the Superman storyline and stuff like that. So, so that could be a long fucking movie. Like that's it a could big be, part. Yeah. Also, are they going to not include Green Lantern? I don't know. They could make it into a into a two part thing like they did with uh, Dark Knight, right? Dark true. Knight Returns. True. True. Yeah. Um, and I'd watch it. I mean, I just feel like the death is not the death is such like I could condense that death into a ten minute like Batman cold open kind of thing. Yeah, it depends. I mean, there's there's good stuff in the in the stories that led up to the death and return of Superman. There's some cool stuff going on, so they could potentially go back a little bit. 
Um, Have you read that recently, though? I've read... That's the story. I've read that era of Superman more than I've read anything else. Okay. That is my era, and that's why I'm super excited for this. A weird fucking era of Justice League to just suddenly throw into a movie. Well, no that that's not nec- that's not the Giffen. That's not the the you know the the funny Justice League. That's no, but it's like the ultimate fucking like C Squad Justice League. Like that's it's, not- yeah, it is like the the it's it's the booster booster and Blue Beetle booster sort of Blue era. Beetle yeah. Fire and Ice and like. A- is it Bloodwind or some shit? Like, yeah, Bloodwind, who is actually Martian Manhunter in disguise. So, I mean, yeah, they might not necessarily be able to go back and pull those characters. Although, I'd love to see a Justice League movie that had uh, particularly Booster Gold and Blue Beetle in it. Yeah. Yeah, I still think that, but that Booster Gold episode of Justice League Unlimited is still one of my favorites. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a fucking awesome episode. Um, so, yeah, I'm on the fucking hook for that. Um well, I'm just curious to see how they'll do it because, like, that's a big story to just like pull and like start. It is, yeah. Doing like an, an 80 minute animated movie on, like, mm-hmm. that's a lot of characters, a lot of shit to juggle. You know what I mean? So it's true. But I think like the death and the death and funeral, I think, would be one movie on its yeah. own. Yeah, I mean, there there was a whole period in between too where it was uh, World Without a Superman, which was yeah. about eight or ten issues or something like that, mm-hmm. and there was some really cool stuff in there as well, like how the world was dealing. Um, and how, like, the the other members of the Superman family, like Supergirl and stuff like that, and Lex Luthor even at the time, was dealing with, uh, yeah. with um, you know, with having... Yeah, with, with well, sure, there's a lot death, of stuff so. about the, 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 the real... Like, I don't know what to call it the real Justice League, because they weren't at the time, but, like, mm-hmm. what we all think of as the real Justice League, dealing mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff, like Batman and Wonder Woman kind of... Batman was still on that team. He wasn't. Yeah, that's right. He was, but he was always. He's is he ever really on the Justice League team? Kind of <laughs> yeah, he's always off to the if side. If you need me, I'll show up. That's yeah. usually yeah. Grumpy Bruce's thing. <laughs> it's just it's true. Let's see. There is uh, there is an announcement for the a new DC animated series, which stars a gay superhero in the world where the Nazis won World War Two. So essentially, this is a Freedom Fighters universe. Um, what. Mm-hmm. DC fans would know as Earth X, uh, where yeah you have the Freedom Fighters, including the Ray um, and uh, Uncle Sam and Black Condor and Phantom Lady, and those are sort of C-list characters. But there have been times where they've been like really high-profile characters. I think those are Charleston characters. Yeah, I think they are too. That's also something Alex Ross has a huge boner for because I remember him going, "Oh yeah, was well, it Uncle Sam?" Book. Uncle Sam was like a book, yeah, but I know yeah. I remember he's I've seen paintings of those other characters that he yeah. he really digs that stuff too. So. I, I'm a big fan of those too. Like some of the very earliest comics that I had, like ones that I sort of got from my dad that used to be his kind of thing, were Freedom Fighters comics. So mm-hmm. I've got a lot of nostalgia uh for for those characters for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. That sounds cool. Uh I haven't been watching a lot of animated TV shows lately. Uh, I've been watching animated movies, but so I I know I've got some catch up there because Marvel's been putting out a whole lot of animated. Yeah, stuff. I'm totally out of the loop on the animated stuff because a lot of it's been pretty kiddy apparently. So I'm just kind of yeah. like, I'm not that interested. Like I, I get why they're doing it because like that's how they, that's how you get your next group of fans at this point is having a cartoon. But it it'd be nice if they would play it down the middle a little bit more than they have been. So yeah, and getting back to uh, uh, DC's actual. I won't say bread and butter anymore, but what they, you know, started out doing is actual comic books. But uh, did you see this uh, article about like DC's epic plan to save comics from sort of its death throes that everybody's saying it's in? No, like the, co- the comic book media overall. So it was on a 
Comic-Con panel um, where uh, Jim Lee and Dan Didio went up and were basically saying, like, look, the comic industry is in a lot of trouble right now, but we've got a plan sort of thing. Um, and the plan is basically to sort of uh, focus a little bit more of their energy on sort of prestige format books and more like graphic novel kind of stuff um, sure. than like individual issues because they can do that stuff. Um, you know, they can charge more for them for starters. They can get larger, you know, bigger name artists. They can uh, offer more creative freedom on those sorts of bigger things as well. So they can draw in, uh, you know, creators that have more of a draw. Um, and I guess they're also saying that they're going to focus a little bit more strongly on the art instead of just the writing. Cause that's one thing I've noticed with DC lately is they're getting a lot of like uh, no name uh, artists and stuff like that to draw big name, uh, big name writers. And it's, it's not just, it's not just DC, my friend, it's happening yeah. on both sides of the street. So it's um, there, there's, there's been a lot of, I think we've talked about this before or the, the comic book industry um, at this point, it's just like, some of their big name guys won't work cheap and yeah. it's hard to get them to do a monthly book. Cause like, it's just hard to do a monthly book. So most of them are like, well, I can go do a creator own thing that I only have to put out eight issues a year. And I still make my money kind of thing. Cause they get some kind of deal through image or through dark horse or whoever they publish through that they get paid one way or the other. And the book gets public printed and their name sells it eventually down the road. And once it gets collected, they make a bunch of money on it, but it makes it hard for the big two to get anybody to like with a, good any kind of name recognition yeah to do exactly. on a regular basis where they're not in and out and that's been a problem they've had forever we're like like i'm all for like seeing like going into a book because an artist is doing it that i like but it's like i get three issues and then there's a fucking fill-in and i'm like yeah. well that fucks things up for me and it's like i'd rather just wait and get like that story done and so. part of that part of that too is the fact that um dc and marvel have been chastised so heavily for not keeping the shipping schedules Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, okay, we're going to make a commitment to our readers and to our fans that we're actually going to, you know, ship on time. Unfortunately, that's going to mean we're going to have, you know, fill in artists occasionally kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, uh, but I guess that's part of the idea with these, these, this new sort of concept is that they're going to be doing these, what they're calling evergreen flagship stories that are unbound from the pace of monthly books. So basically you know, it's not necessarily going to be an issue a month kind of thing. Like it might be the sort of thing where it takes a few months for each issue to come out, um, but they'll be larger. And, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I think that that does sort of maybe work a little bit better with uh, the shift to more digital consumption of comics as well. So, well, like, well, yeah, we've talked about it before. I'm pretty much all digital at this point. So mm-hmm. that kind of works for me. I am really. clearly not yeah, he said, John, his, is... gesturing to his, structural wall of yeah. comic books behind yeah. him which is I, i'm pretty sure holding up part of, of my house at this point yeah part of most of tim's house at this point is long boxes most of my um, parents house most of my parents basement at least yeah well it's just holding <laughs> up their fucking top floor probably <laughs> yeah exactly point. holding up the rest of the house yeah they, they've have probably become structural at this point yeah um oh i'm all like i'm i'm all for that kind of idea and like if it keeps the medium alive which is a medium i love dearly then that's awesome because i know there's been there's been a lot of talk that sales are flagging across the board all over the place. And yeah, it's, they definitely need to do something because where else are they going to pill for fucking story ideas for their movies from? So it's true. And that's one of the things they mentioned too now is that, you know, it's, it, they're getting into a weird place where a lot of the people that are getting exposed to their characters for the first time are getting exposed to them through movies and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the, the, because the movies have become so big both on you know Marvel and DC side. So, 
uh, yeah, it's it's weird for them now to have to try, have to actively try to get people to read comics that are fans of the characters. Well, I'm like, I'd be curious to see like my like my, my pseudo nephew, like my cousin's kid, who is like a huge fucking Captain America fan, right? Like loves all the comic book stuff and loves seeing me draw all this stuff and all that kind of stuff. Probably has no idea what an actual comic book looks like. Like he <laughs> yeah. watches. Like all, the kids come in, they come in through video games, they come in through the TV shows, they come in through the movies, yeah. and then it's like eventually Even they like may filter and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, but eventually they may filter down to like the the, the sequential side material. of things, like the source yeah. material. But like that's gonna be, and this is probably being really fucking nice about it. Like maybe one percent of that audience yeah. go filters down, and it's probably lower than that. You know what I mean? It's probably like. 0.1% filters down to the source material. So Yeah. I mean, it's the same for for Tolkien right now, right? Like there are probably a lot more fans out there of the movies than there are of the actual books and yeah. you know, Tolkien's actual writings, you know, they're so which is I mean, it's good to get people interested in it. It's just a matter of getting them to actually appreciate the, you know, we're we're being a little snobby here, but to appreciate the roots and the the source material and and you know the where where all of that came from originally. It is definitely a different, different like way to like yeah. consume media too, right? So, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, sort of the origins of famous characters, this will be my last DC story for the week, folks. <laughs> um, Frank Miller is apparently giving Superman a year one story. Yeah, I saw that. Frank Miller and Superman are two fucking names that do not go together in my head, but I'm I'm gonna read it because it's how can I not. Have you read Master Race? Uh yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. Uh I mean the art the art was amazing. The story was uh the I, I found the so Master Race is uh for those of our listeners that don't know was the third mini series um spawning out of the Dark Knight Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns universe. Yeah. Um which just finished like two months ago or something like that. Oh, is it done now? Okay. I was yeah. waiting for it to finish before I, ho- I, I read the first issue. It was just like, this is a calamity <laughs> of fucking errors right here, but it had okay. some cool stuff in it. Like it did. So it did. So it did do some, yeah. It did do some lampooning of like the current political climate and stuff like that, which Miller always dips, likes to stick his dick into. Sorry. Um, as soon as you can't hear my eyes rolling, I apologize. <laughs> did you read the physical issues or did you read it digitally? Digitally. Did the digital ones have the insert issues, the little mini issues that were within each one? Well, now remember, I read this when it came out, so I don't remember, but I don't think so. I think it was just like the main story. So each individual issue had a mini issue in the middle of it, like basically in the center of the staple page kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a there was a separate mini comic in there that was um, sort of some tangentially related, but featured a different character. Like, I think there was one for like the green lantern of that version like that era of the universe and one for the atom and stuff like that those i think i found more interesting overall than the actual like master race story which was basically that uh, a race of or a massive group of kryptonians come down and try and uh dominate the earth which is a storyline that's been done at least three or four times, times already yeah <sighs> i just like somebody it had think- good moments and carrie Car- Car- kelly was awesome in it yeah, well, I think as a fan base, we all should get together and like start a Patreon and pay Frank Miller to retire. Pay Frank Miller not to yeah to <laughs> not write. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, because he looks like he's about to fucking fall over at any time. At he this does point. not look well the last couple times I saw him. But like, yeah, I saw the announcement and like I didn't even read the fucking article. I just saw that he walked in on some panel or something and started talking about doing Superman Year One and showed some heart. And I was just like, oh, God, I, no, the world does not need this. Like, there's no reason <laughs> that the world needs because yeah. what's he just going to turn Superman into a giant fucking asshole like he did to the Batman too? Like, I mean, he already had Superman as an asshole. He had Superman as an asshole in the Dark Knight uh, book. Exactly. So. so, but like an even bigger asshole. So yeah. I don't know. Whatever. All right, let's let's get to one that you'll be genuinely excited about: the new Star Trek Discovery trailer. Ah, uh, genuinely excited. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that that was not enthusiastic, Mark. Well, listen, I'm all for, like, new Star Trek. The trailer was cut to get John and Joe fucking, or John and Jane, I guess. I don't know. It could be John and Joe. If they that's who's, who's together and happy, good for them. But, like, Joe and Jane fucking Q public kind of people, like, in, interested in, like, yeah. yeah, on board. It was not fucking designed to get me on board. So, I'm like, okay, it looks action movie. Yeah, It looks like they're spending some fucking money on effects, though. So, I'm kind of excited does, yeah. about that. Like, it looks really good. The Klingons look fucking weird. The Klingons look fucking weird. I, I still don't like that ship, even though they have refined the design. Like the yeah I, the 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 old ship that they're on at the beginning of the of the the trailer kind of thing still looks like a rehash of a of a ship from First Contact. Like it still looks like an yeah. Akira class, and I'm just like, this doesn't make continuity sense. But okay, whatever. Like I'm not gonna get all fucking super hard up Star Trek nerd about it. But like, if you're gonna set it before Kirk, it should look. It should look older. Should look so. consistent. Yeah, I, that's that's going to be. I think my what ends up being my biggest gripe with it is going to be sort of the Star Wars prequel trilogy syndrome kind of thing, yeah. where everything looks shinier and newer than uh, yeah, yeah. Then, but yeah. like I, I like the look. Like I think everything about the look of the show would be awesome if it was set post Voyager. Yeah, like it yeah. doesn't need. It doesn't. I don't think going pre Kirk does anything for them. I think going post Voyager, no. the uniforms look slick as fuck. I love those new uniforms. I think they yeah. look awesome. All the ship and all the tech, like it's got that kind of retro machine, like it's all built around the ideas from the original series. Yeah. Just like made to stand up to 4K, I guess, resolution as opposed to the horse shit they were building back then. But yeah. like everything looks cool, but I'm just like, I don't know why they did this pre Kirk. Like, the returns eventually, right? Yeah. Like, well, exactly. So I mean, back. yeah, they already Mark did it. Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah. And yeah. that was the first Star, Star Trek series since the original to not make it to seven seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, too, because it was just getting good. Yeah, but the... Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that this looks like it should be set uh, like maybe a couple hundred years post-Voyager or something like yeah. that. Like, f- you know, give it time for for everything to sort of get updated and particularly for the Klingons to... I mean, really, evolution takes millions of years. Millions but, of years, yeah. But in, you know, sci-fi terms, you can believably say that, you know, a couple hundred years later and maybe they've had some massive genetic shift or something that's made them made the brow ridge go down their entire fucking face or whatever. Yeah. I didn't even recognize them as Klingons. Like they had to tell me like they had to say Klingons for me to be like, oh I guess those are the Klingons now. Yeah. Because even the Abrams verse, like the the reboot Klingons, I was like they were they looked different, but I could I was still like, oh I can kind of see Klingon in there. These mm-hmm. ones I was like, those don't look like any Klingons I know. Like Yeah. Except that their skin's the same tone and that's about it. Well, the Klingons are all brown, I guess. Like, <laughs> there's oh, that's that's an episode I want to see now. Like the albino Klingon. They've done an albino Klingon. Really? And what? Yeah, on Deep Space Nine, there was an albino. I don't remember that. Yeah, there was an albino. Deep Space Nine is the only series that I have not 
rewatched in recent years. It was one. It was the episode where Kang Kodo, not Kang Kodo's fuck Kang Kodo from The Simpsons. <laughs> I do have a Simpsons story though. Yeah, uh, so Kang so seg nice into that for me. Uh, Kang and his like group, his little trio, mm. they go and kill an albino Klingon at one huh. point. They bring Jedzia along, and it's pre-warp too, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's in season one or two or three, huh. maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you just segged really nicely into this uh, Matt Groening story then. Um, so Matt Groening announced a new uh, cartoon series at uh, Comic Con that is going to be an epic fantasy animated series for Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. Which, I don't know anything about it though. So I saw a lot of headlines this week. I didn't read a lot of stories. So <laughs> uh, it basically sounds like it's going to sort of send up fantasy the same way that Futurama kind of sends up uh, sci-fi. Yeah, fair enough. I'm down for that. It sounds like fun. Um, I watched every fucking season of Futurama and, and loved yeah, it. So I gotta rewatch it. It's been a long time since I've watched yeah. all of it. So I mean, I stopped watching The Simpsons fucking like 15 mm. years ago, but uh, but uh, Futurama I watched all the way through. Um, we already talked about Westworld a little bit, but there was a new Westworld trailer that came out. Uh, related oh, no, to is generous. That's yeah, like a teaser. True. Um. I didn't actually watch it, uh, but apparently it sort of shows the park in its death throes. Yeah. Uh, everything's just sort of falling apart kind of thing. And if they can get a whole season out of that, then that will be pretty intense. This is Western Jurassic Park, right? Like, yeah. I guess the theme park fucking caves in on itself. And But I mean, it's it's theme park like last third of Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, pretty because much. Everything's already fucked. It's yeah. just, you know, them all trying to like escape or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I don't see like I, I'm just like, is that it then like they like I, I think we talked about this when we reviewed Westworld like where the fuck do they go yeah they're gonna do the fallout season then what the fuck do they do and I don't mean fallout like the game but like if they're gonna do the season where they do the fallout <laughs> of what happened like yeah that's great because I'm sure it'll be awesome but then where the fuck do they go from there like I mean I think they either go to the real world or they go to a different park altogether kind of thing Right, they go to ten ten years later, and they're you know they've got whatever the sequel was, Future World or whatever. Yeah, because well, they've already got um, they're already at the world stage of the Jurassic Park franchise. So like, mm-hmm. at this point, if shit goes wrong, like they don't have a Jurassic Park analog to go to. Like, it's yeah, it's, there's no there was no West Park. We just went right to West World, Westland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess next is what like West Universe, like Jurassic <laughs> Universe. I don't know. I have no idea. West Planet. Yeah, West Planet. <laughs> Um, is that just Deadwood yeah. then? I think with androids, <laughs> maybe that sounds awesome. There was a story about that. They are still doing that movie. Like they have started talking about doing the what the uh, the Deadwood oh. uh, finale movie again. It's yeah, just yeah. slowly kind of coming together. I'm like, that's it's awesome because be scheduling then I, nightmare. I'm sure. Oh, I can only imagine. Well, yeah, like I think they really just have to schedule Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant, or the two guys who are kind of the leads of that show. That they really got to get kind of sorted it in there and that would be whatever it would be nice if they actually did it and it concluded in a nice way so that i could recommend that show to people without having to have that big caveat of like yeah but it doesn't actually fucking end you just have to kind of like suffer like i suffered kind of yeah. thing with no actual <laughs> ending yeah so. um all right let's go uh, to the other side of the comic book aisle uh marvel suffered a loss this past week with uh Flo Steinberg, who is one of their like big, uh, is it artist bullpen? Yeah, uh, who passed away this past week. Uh, yeah. not a name that I know very well, but I'm sure it means a little bit more to Mark than me. Uh, she was like kind of an office stalwart at Marvel, so she kind of had a big influence on like 
wrangling people to do shit, I guess. I'm not super, like, I, her name was, I had heard her name before, but wasn't overly aware of her, like, day-to-day function in the company, yeah. but there was a lot of, like, tweets and, uh, like, Instagram posts from, like, big-name artists. I think J. Scott Campbell posted about it. It was, like, probably the biggest name I saw yeah. posting about, like, her kind of, like, helping guys kind of negotiate those schedules and, like, wrangling fucking idiot artists and getting Xerox FedExes and shit like that back in the day when you couldn't just scan a page and send it to your anchor. You had to, like, draw the page, bundle it, send it to fucking FedEx and, like... yeah. Get it FedEx to your anchor, and he'd do the next step, and then it goes to the get editor. Bike, bike courier to cross town or whatever. Yeah, like, like fuck, I can't even imagine. Like doing it these days sa- still sounds nightmarish, but like I couldn't even imagine that fucking process. Like, yeah, but uh, apparently, I'm looking through this article now. Apparently, she was uh, when Marvel Comics first began. She and Stanley were the company's first and only employees. She was. Yeah. Stan's secretary, and she responded to fan mail. Um, she managed their offers, uh, their offices, and ran the Mary Marvel Marching Society, yeah. um, which was Marvel's first fan club. Uh, but yeah, and so she just sort of became a personality uh, in in a similar way that Stan did, but to maybe a lesser extent. Well, I mean, there's there's not there's <laughs> you not could much be a larger extent. Yeah, you could you could be a larger personality than Stan <laughs> fucking Lee. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like in like sort of the golden age of Marvel, like in the '60s, where they were introducing yeah. like all their biggest characters and teams and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, all right, a couple of fun ones just to finish off. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's skip that one. Uh, did you see? <laughs> I saw this article and I couldn't help but laugh because I have experience in academic publishing. Scientific journals publish bogus paper about midichlorians from Star Wars. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> So apparently this guy, so this happens every few years and somebody does this just basically to show like there's a big problem in academic publishing um, that's basically like pay to publish. So if as long as you can pay the fees, they'll let you publish whatever the fuck you want, even if it's, you know, absolute bullshit and not, you know, uh, not actually decent research. And so somebody filed a paper with a bunch of different journals trying to get it published uh, that was just full of memes, and it was the <laughs> authors were Lucas McGeorge and uh, Annette Kin, and it referenced midichlorians, uh, in part. Um, but yeah, and it got actually like accepted and published by a few different journals. Sounds amazing, honestly. <laughs> Which yeah. hey man, it's it's like fake news. What are you gonna do, right? Like as long as you uh, if you keep saying it's true, eventually somebody will believe you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the we live in the era of alternative facts where if you pay enough, it can become fact. Or if you have a high enough profile position, you can say things and they become fact because people don't check them to believe them. Which is another thing I didn't even have on the list, but uh, do you see that um, that Snopes is base- is under a legal attack right now? Yeah, I saw the thing. Uh, Spears posted it and like tagged yeah. both of us. In oh, yeah, he yeah. did. Hi, yeah. Spears. I don't, yeah, I don't know great. if you actually listen because you're not actually putting a podcast right now, but... Yeah, what's going on with that? Where's the, where's the, Come on, kids, we're, ca- we're catching up with you. Yeah, man. We're going to pass you soon. I look forward to the day when we actually do pass them. So, <laughs> Although we do hope that you start putting out episodes again. Yeah, it'd be nice if you guys put some stuff out. Come on, guys. <laughs> there's like nine There's like nine of you now. We, we do these with two people. <laughs> the varying degrees of quality, obviously, but yeah. they, do, they do come out weekly. <laughs> uh, it was just another fun one. You see the guy that played hot pie on Game of Thrones now actually has his own bakery and he sells like pies and like direwolf bread like from the show. 
Oh, okay. I saw that on Reddit. I didn't. I didn't click through though. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I thought hey, was... man, you got to make a buck somehow, right? Like, yeah, it's... absolutely. I mean, and there's there's becoming such a like sort of secondary market for that sort of stuff now. Like, well, Paul was telling us last week about like the Final Fantasy Cafe that he's uh, going to. I mean, Japan in particular, definitely. Yeah, well, you were just talking about your little like Blade Runner fucking bar in Atlanta, like that yeah. kind of like in, like that kind of experience or like yeah. Area. Although that one, that one, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that go to it that don't actually know that it's Blade oh, Runner well. themed. <laughs> uh, like they they don't play it up really heavily, but it's really clear if you know and you go there, like oh yeah, this absolutely feels like straight out of out of the movies kind of thing. Nice. All right, so with that, let's move on to our. Nice. There was one news thing. Did you see um, the guy who played Cottonmouth is going to be in uh, True Detective? He's going to be in season three of True Detective. Yeah. I like as much season as season like, three. You, you yeah. can't you can't ignore season two as much as you want to. I, did I not? No, I thought I said season three. Sorry. Yeah, season three. Maybe yeah, season do. two. Maybe you do the t- the tape will tell. Yeah, I guess. Well, I'll I'll see when I'm editing, and then <laughs> maybe I'll edit this part out. Anyway. <laughs> But no, I just like that's that. I mean, not that they didn't have great actors in season two, and that turned out kind of interestingly. <laughs> but like, he's such a good fucking actor. I'd be I'll, I'll, that just means I'm gonna fucking sit through this season of True Detective. So yeah, again, so they got me again, fuckers. What's, oh, what's the fucking guy's name? We can't say this. Meyer Ali. Right. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but yeah. I apologize. I think I think, I think that's it. I think it's Marshala. Marshala Ali. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Confirmed right. to start in season three of True Detective. Just sounds awesome. So yeah, now we can do Geek of the Week. All right, then. What was the geekiest thing you did this week, Mark? Uh, I binged a shit out of some TV, Tim. That's uh, what I did this week. <laughs> uh, I I so I caught up to Doctor Who. I enjoyed this season quite a bit. It was yeah. pretty good. Um, I'm fucking excited for that Christmas special now. That all looks amazing. Yeah. Did you watch that movie? So so um, for anybody that's not caught up on Doctor Who, spoilers. The yeah, end of the season. Uh, I'm not going to say what happens to Bill necessarily, although we basically spoiled that last week. Yeah. Um, but uh, hey, that that girl. Oh my god, that girl was so cute. <laughs> she was. Yeah. Was the girl? Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Anyway. Uh, but um, essentially, the very end of the episode, uh, the 13th Doctor. This wow. Uh, I mean, well, the 12th, official 12th, doctor. 12th Doctor, not counting the War Doctor. Yeah. So. Um, the twelfth doctor basically sort of starts his regeneration, but keeps trying to sort of shunt it and, and yeah. delay it. Uh, and he uh, ends up encountering the a the first doctor, quote unquote. And it's the guy that played Patrick Trotton on the what's it, uh, Adventures in Space and Time, or something like that, which yeah, was yeah. the the made for TV movie that they did on basically the origin of the Doctor Who TV series. Yep. Um. So yeah, that looks awesome. And, yeah, and he I'm was super... a great. I mean, I I'm not super familiar with that first Doctor. Like, I watched a fair amount of Doctor Who when I was a kid because my it was on PBS and my mom would yeah. put it on. But Same. she'd only ever put it on. She'd only ever put it on like halfway through a fucking episode. Uh-huh. So I don't think yeah. I ever saw like a whole episode. We only would catch. The I last, was into like, it. My problem was something. My problem was always like uh, I got when I was a kid. I was much more mercurial than I am now, and so as soon as like, which is saying something. <laughs> but when they switched Doctors, I'd get fucking pissed. Mm. so like i there was doctors i didn't like right so like yeah. when like and it was just rerun so it was just constantly cycling so eventually like tom baker would show back yeah up they would play like, like one episode every day or something like that so you yeah. go through a whole season in like a month and then it yeah. would be like new doctor yeah a new doctor so it was like when they get to like doctor was it who was the shithead that was just talking trash about the new, uh, the new girl? peter peter davison yeah 
He needed six, I think. So when they go from like five to six, like six, I was like, fuck this guy. This guy's an idiot. Why does he have celery on his fucking jacket? This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the old guy back. And then eventually the old guy would come back. And I was like, oh, all right, this, this is much better. Yeah, so I was yeah. doing much better. But yeah, my experience with the first doctor is very limited. I'd have to go back and like watch some of it. Some of that fucking early doctor who is, well, first of all, it's hard to get complete stories, which is one thing, but like. Yeah, I mean, the, some yeah. of the stuff doesn't even exist. Like, they well, don't like even have 200 tape episodes that are, like, gone. So, like, that's... There's big chunks of, like... Think, it's not that like, many, is it? There, I thought there was only, like, 20 or 30 episodes that they're, they're like, lost to time. More, I think it's more than that. I think it, really? maybe 200 is overstating, but maybe it's, like, like... I thought it was at least 80 or 90. Oh, wow. Either way, like, I don't know. I'm just, like... I So, I caught up to the season. That was amazing. Um, I was, I'm very excited for like what they did. Well, maybe maybe Amazing's overselling it, but like <laughs> it was a really good season of Doctor Who. Yeah, um, I think him. I think Moffat didn't completely shit the bed, and Capaldi went out doing amazing work. So, yeah. and I think it was. I think for me at least, it was undoubtedly Capaldi's strongest season. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it was definitely his strongest season. Well, he like he was good the whole time. I think I just think he finally his best stories. Yeah, I think he finally got like stories that were worth like his time. Mm-hmm. Finally. So I can stop trashing like the show now because they're wasting him. They got one good season out of him, and then they both left. It's like, well, hopefully, one good Christmas special where apparently they're going to meet Hitler as well. Yes, again. So it's like the nineteenth Hitler we've had <laughs> since the reboot. So this is really awesome. Yeah, um, but no, I really enjoyed the season. I thought it was good. Um, also, I've caught up to Rick and Morty. I have a new religion now, guys. <laughs> this show is Rickism. Rick, I'm, yeah, I'm totally down with Rickism. He is a monster, <laughs> and I love every second of it. Like, that show is fucking unbridled insanity, but it's genius, like, through and oh, through. Like, cannot, cannot, like, I'm so excited for the third season. I want to rewatch, I'm probably going to rewatch it now, because yeah. I'm just, like, I'm sure I missed a bunch of shit, because I was yeah. just, like, overwhelmed by the insanity of the well, first season. It's, just, it's so, like, Dan Harmon, just, like, dense, like, fucking dense. joke, 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 yeah. joke. Like, no, it does not fucking let up. Um, You know, the dialogue just fucking goes, like, crazy. You have to just re- pay really close attention. Yeah, you have to, like, and, like, pro- it's probably going to be very, very um rewarding rewatching. So, yeah. it's probably going to be it, some, like, backwards hints and shit. Like, like, he loves doing all that, like, flashback. Oh, yeah. and, like, I hinted at this in the first episode that's happened in the eighth episode that you don't yeah. catch, because whatever um but yeah, no i was like it's so fucking vile though like the sense of humor is like that's mm-hmm. the darkest sense of humor i've seen on tv in a long time like the darkest timeline no this is like the darkest shit like ever <laughs> like that whole bit where like he replaced they replaced somebody in another timeline because yeah. the other two blow them, like and he's they fucking bury the corpses in the backyard yeah and, like three episodes later they just keep doing it <laughs> like pointing out but he's pointing out to the sister he's like i'm not your brother i'm from another timeline there's a fucking there's a me out there rotting in the back. Yeah. I'm like Jesus, this is the darkest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but like, I laughed. But like, it's ambiguous because like he, it was a parallel timeline where it was basically yeah. like he was exactly the same Morty. Exactly the same. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, oh my god, it's so fucking smart. Like yeah. that's the thing though, it's so fucking smart. Like all of it, it tracks. Like all of it makes sense, and you're like, it's so weird that this show that could be so irreverent and like not give a shit about its own rules it's yeah. so internally consistent on top of everything else like that's what i love about bill and ted as well because <laughs> bill and ted for being a movie about two fucking idiots traveling through time is smart yeah, as fuck. fucking phone booth no less yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no like, I, exactly but like i can't i just i couldn't i'm sitting there watching it i'm waiting for them to fuck up and like have something that's glitteringly like well that doesn't make any sense and they do a couple times do it 
but they immediately call they themselves back, on it yeah. and they come right back and fix it. It's like, yeah. so then Rick's like, no, that's horse shit. It's actually this. <laughs> You're an idiot, Morty. <laughs> I love his uh, Rick and oh shit. Is it Jerry? The dad? Yeah. They're yeah, back like and the, forth. They're well, it's barely back. And forth. <laughs> they're back. Yeah. Fourth, basically <laughs> yeah, fourth, just yeah. fourth. <laughs> they're dynamic or whatever you want to call it. It's just, I love so the, many. yeah, I love the, the daycare for the Jerry's. Oh God! The daycare was just, my ass off. We're just, just fucking full of just like idiot fucking Jerry's, just like banging their heads <laughs> against the wall and shit. I love that. Like eventually, like there's an alternate timeline where it's not even Jerry. It's like his like uh, Beth's fucking remarried husband. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, I, I treat I treat Beth and the kids real good, Jerry. I, I treat them real good. It's like Jesus, why is this <laughs> so awful? <laughs> it is. It's oh. it's tough to watch, but in a really good way. In an amazing way. So we're, yeah. we're probably we're gonna try and get Christy to catch up to this, so we can do just an episode. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we wait till the third season's done, or if we just get into it now, and then we can do another episode about it. Because yeah, well, I'm sure uh, I want to talk about next season starts like this weekend. It is this week. Is it this weekend? Yeah, July thirtieth. Yeah, I don't have to wait too long then. Yeah, so nice. But oh my uh, god, I was just losing my fucking mind. <laughs> and like, and it's very rare. And that's the thing that what I really wanted to say was like, it's very rare for me to be sitting alone and laugh at a TV show, like yeah. out loud laugh. Because usually, I'm like, oh, that's funny, and like not say, like not emote outwardly or whatever. Yeah. But there was parts that like just caught me, and I was fucking guffawing by myself in my house. My neighbors must think I'm nuts or just watching a lot of TV. So. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like I was a late adopter on Rick and Morty as well. Like I only watch, finished watching it like a, a couple months ago or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was the same thing. Like I was just laughing my ass off, and like I'm the same way. I don't laugh at stuff really easily, especially if I'm not like in a room with other people. But like right now, I've been watching The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the newest season, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's pretty clever, you know, whatever. But I'm not like losing my shit over it. But that I was fucking just going insane over uh rick and morty for sure like i just i love how it just like fucking takes like well really well established like done to death tropes bends them over and then just fucks them to death yeah it's fucking like, brutal fucks them to death with like a rock salt strap on well the whole thing is just like it's like the back to the future or the fucking doctor who like setup version of community well it's just like just <laughs> but just done in like the like the glibest darkest way possible mm-hmm. like it's those it's those two fucking franchises without any of the hope or wonder or fun. Like, oh, I guess they're all. That's the thing, though. The hope and well, the, the wonder hope, at least is still there. The hope. The may hope not. is there so, for Morty. Yeah, I guess for Morty. The <laughs> not so much there. for Rick. Rick knows that there's no hope. And basically, to just enjoy the ride. Can't fucking believe how much I enjoyed those two seasons of TV. So, like, if you are at all into sci-fi or just have a really fucking disgusting sense of humor, go yeah. watch Rick and Morty if you haven't already. If you have, you can, you know, tell us on Facebook how big a bunch of idiots we are for waiting this long. Because yeah. <laughs> clearly, we're not smart people. We should have been on this much sooner. But Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I was just dying. <laughs> so. Either way. Uh, sorry. Uh, Tim, what was your Geek of the Week? <laughs> uh, for me, um, I did end up playing a shit ton of Pokemon Go this week because of the uh, fest in Chicago, as a, as disastrous as it was. and Did, all you, did the, you hear about all that? Yeah. And also, yeah, but it but it, they, it did still unlock a whole lot of bonuses. But for me, I'm going to say the biggest geekiest thing that I did this week was uh, Alicia and I booked a trip to uh, Orlando in September for mainly for Halloween Horror Nights. Okay. Nice. Um, so we're, we're staying on property at Universal for like basically three nights, like 
sort of a long weekend kind of thing. We're going to do like one day at Disney mainly because uh, I've got a chance to go there recently, but Alicia hasn't for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, we're going to spend the majority of our time. Like we're going to do two nights of like Halloween Horror Nights uh, and like all the houses and scare zones and stuff like that. And we're going right. with another of our friends uh, from Atlanta as well, Rebecca. And we're also going to do like a couple days at the Universal Parks. It'll be my first time doing uh, Diagon Alley at uh universal um I have, are you guys doing the harry potter shit yeah uh i think because we're staying on property i think we get early access to the uh, uh the wizarding world in particular um the harry potter stuff so i i've seen the islands of adventure um harry potter stuff like the wizarding world and hogsmeade and uh the castle hogwarts and stuff like that but i haven't yeah. done the side the half of it that's in universal studios which is diagon alley which is more like shops and uh the gringotts ride and stuff like that so okay. uh i mean neither of neither alicia and i are super big harry potter fans although the uh other uh girl that we're going with is but uh even not being a fan like just the level of fucking theming and everything is just so intense and amazing yeah. that it's uh i'm looking forward to it for sure so yeah uh this will be our first trip down there together in a few years and should be good nice. even though it's pretty short nice i look for i look forward to you reporting back on that and christy being just furious the insanely jealous yeah just hey, furious the entire time i i even posted on facebook asking if anybody wanted to join us and we had no takers we had, yeah. we didn't, you didn't take us up on on Halloween Horror Nights, which I think you'd greatly enjoy. I'm still in contract through January, so do you not get fucking vacation time? No, it's a contract, man. You work. That's right horseshit. Yeah. How do you? The... How do they give you like a nine month contract or something like that and no days off? Welcome to the world of fucking Ugh. being employed That's in ugly. GTA as a designer. So that is fucking ugly. Yeah, I'll I'll so expect I'm, you down I'm, here in January then. I will probably. Well, that's the thing. Like once the uh, once that contract ends off, if I'm not a complete idiot and put aside enough money so that I have some cash that I can like float for a little while while I look for my next idiot fucking contract or whatever <laughs> I end up doing after this, um, yeah, I'll probably want to take a fucking vacation because I'm already tired and it's only been five months, so four more to go. Uh, all right. Well, with that, let us move on to our. Meat of the episode. I love just letting you guys hang on these things. <laughs> Xenophobic meat. Is it really? Xenophobic? No, maybe maybe uh, xenomorphic. Xenomorphic meat. So uh, we have referenced and mentioned the Alien series of movies many, many times. I think I feel like on Dance Robot Dance already. It's one of those things that we seem to like bring up. If not weekly, then very close to weekly. Like yeah, like at least once every two or three episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Mark and I finally decided let's just fucking dedicate an episode to it. Because I don't think it's like Christy's not big into it. She doesn't like scary movies as much as uh, Mark and I do. So yeah. and I think it's also a little bit past her generation. So, I mean, honestly, it's not necessarily really in our generation either. It's, it's a little past, past ours, too. So, yeah, but uh, but Arguably, yeah, so. Because you're going to tell a story about the first one you saw. Yep. And that's not a good movie, my friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about the Alien series of movies tonight, folks. I think we're going to kind of 
mostly focus on the first three movies, although we might reference some of the others. Uh, oh, to I some just extent. watched the two Alien vs. Predator movies. I have shit to say, so okay. I'm going right. to a couple minutes to that fucking nightmare. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, these are just fucking epic movies for me that uh, I absolutely love. They were some of the first sci-fi movies that I ever like. really, really got into. Um, maybe besides like the... Uh, Star Trek and Star Wars movies. This is maybe my like favorite franchise of sci-fi movies. So yeah, I figured you know this would be a great chance for just Mark and I to go off on them. Um, I want to start out as Mark sort of just uh, alluded to talking about the first uh, movie that we saw. Maybe not going in depth into what you thought of it, but the first, which one was the first one for you, and how did you see it? Like the story of your first experience with the Alien franchise. I'm not entirely like i can't remember exactly which one i saw first but i feel like um there there came a point probably around when terminator 2 came out when i started kind of like realizing there was like a nice big back archive of awesome movies to go back and watch and this Mm -hmm. may be i can probably credit my mom and dad with this kind of stuff because these movies would have been in the house or if i showed interest in this kind of stuff they would kind of like let me watch it even though in the case of these movies in particular i was (laughs) way younger than was necessary (laughs) you know sit through these things but uh i'm pretty sure i saw it so when did terminator 2 come out 91 Nah, terminator 2 was yeah early early 90s 91 or 90 yeah so we would have been about 10 i think when that movie came out but i remember seeing it when it first hit home video so like it immediately hit home video and i'd seen it and that was kind of the point where i was like there's a bunch of these movies that i think i would like to see like james cameron movies in particular so that's where aliens comes in but i think my parents had the foresight to make me watch them in order so I'm pretty sure I saw Alien first. Okay. Although I'm not entirely sure. I, I think I may have just seen them both kind of back to back, like had them both rented and watched Alien and Aliens kind of mm-hmm. in the same kind of space of time. So, yeah. but I was young and probably shouldn't have seen them. It may <laughs> also be a reason why I am the way I am. <laughs> that was similar to my experience. Like I also saw the, saw my first one was Alien 3. And I saw it, uh, again, probably younger than I should have been. Um, like, I think I, I probably, I saw it on HBO and HBO would normally get movies like, you know, a few months after the theatrical release. So that means that I probably saw it in like 92 or 93. So it would have been like 11 or 12. And of all the movies to see first, like that one is easily the most like brutal and fucking graphic. Yeah. Um, so. And so the second Alien versus Predator movie, which was like. (laughs) Just a fucking <laughs> bloodbath. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe how fucking gory this movie was. But but that's almost like more just like a splatter fest. It uh, it is. Yeah, it's not not quite as like psychological as Alien Three is. So that was my first, and I remember I saw it. My parents never would have fucking had these movies in the house. Uh, my and they never would have let me watch them. My mom and dad are like right into all this shit. Like as you can <laughs> see from my mom still posting all the stuff, and, like linking to us on when whenever she sees. Mm-hmm. Justice League trailers and shit like that. This my my education into like this the schlocky sci-fi horror world, like all that kind of stuff. So like TV, like do- we were just talking about Doctor Who. Like that would have been yeah. something my dad would have put on to watch with me. Star Trek was something my dad would have put on to watch with me. If I expressed interest in these movies, they would have either had them in the house already because they love this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, my parents were both also very much into like uh, sci-fi and and that sort of stuff, but and like adventure kind of stuff. But it was more just like the PG and PG thirteen sort of rated stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They they were very much. I mean, I led a pr- led a pretty sheltered childhood as long term long time listeners of our show have probably already realized. But uh, so I 
basically anything that was like rated R was like totally off limits. Like, uh, so my, my dad just, and I think my dad's okay with it, but he just doesn't like enjoy that sort of like more gory kind of stuff. My mom is Roman Catholic and, and very much like opposed to that sort of, you know, like cursing and violence and, uh, blood and gore and that sort of stuff. That was not, not, an, not, that is an experience we do not share. Cause yes, <laughs> so, we used to watch the Sopranos as a family. So. <laughs> But uh, so I, I saw Alien 3 at my uh, like childhood friends. This is like a, the kid that like lived down the street from me. Our parents were like best friends when I was a kid. Um, my dad and uh, this kid's dad, kid's name is Jamie and his dad. Uh, they were like called to the bar together. Like they uh, became lawyers at the same time in Brantford okay. and stuff like that. So like they were really close and we ended up growing up pretty close for like the first 12 or 13 years of our lives kind of thing. And uh, so I was over at his house and he had HBO. My, my family did not have HBO. And uh, we sat down and watched HBO. Like, would it have been like TMN or something like that? Was it actually HBO? <sighs> I think it was HBO. I th- so they, they, had, might... they, had, they had pirated satellite then because you couldn't get HBO. I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't sure, be surprised sure. if they did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did have satellite. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I wouldn't have been surprised. But uh, either way, like it was definitely not censored. Yeah. Um it was, you know, the full like full on fucking version of the movie. Um all right, let's skip skip to the present. Uh do you own these movies now and if so in what format? I own the quadrilogy Blu-ray set. Okay. I I, I own the quadrilogy uh DVD set. Okay. Yeah, I bought them on Blu-ray at some point. Now, if you ask me if I've ever actually opened those Blu-rays and watched them, the answer is probably no. <laughs> you should well, this is where I go full on fucking like movie and like uh you know movie collector nerd. That set in particular is really really good. If it's anything like the quadrilogy DVD set, which I'm pretty sure it is, it like has Jackal. like it know. has like uh, alternate takes of at least the first three movies, yeah. um, like director's cuts or uh, in the case of Alien Three, what's known as the assembly cut. Assembly cut, yeah, that's um, what I watched. Yeah, uh, and and those in most cases are considerably better than the theatrical cuts, yeah. uh, and have some real real advantages over the theatrical cuts. And also, the special features on those discs are absolutely outstanding in terms of like just going over the overall design of the movie, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, and you know the uh, the making of kind of stuff and all that, um, and sort of how they became made and the origins of the story and everything. So. Uh, yeah, I would put that set in terms of like, you know, overall like box sets in my like top five, like best box sets that I own of movies. Yeah, because just the quality and even just like the menu screens and stuff like that are really highly themed. Um, like they all have like the Wayland Yutani logos and shit like that. And like, uh, they're, um, little references to like bio, uh, bioweaponry and shit like that. Okay. So the one I have is alien anthology is the blu-ray is the okay one. and it's got the first four movies on it i'm just looking at the amazon listing right now that okay the, the discs are downstairs i'd have to go like find yeah. the fucking box that they're in and pull it out so, so i'm sure it's probably basically just like a, a little bit updated version of the dvd set so the the quadrilogy yeah. dvd set came out in 2003 yeah and i'm sure that yeah. they would have basically just like converted over to dvd it's a huge set too it's got like fucking 10 or 12 discs or something yeah, like I remember, that. I remember when the uh, the quadrilogy came out, like that set came out. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't remember. I, did, I was like not super interested in owning two of those four movies. So. <laughs> Fair and enough. Now you, 
and now you can get like that's the, the beauty of Amazon these days is like like what would have cost probably 100 120 bucks back then like to buy like I'm looking at this now you can get the alien anthology like blu-ray for 42 bucks and have Oof. it here by tomorrow yeah you know what I mean so like I could if I wanted another copy not that I never I don't even know if I've opened the one that I fucking <laughs> have already but like uh I could probably get it here if I wanted it for 40 bucks so yeah all right, let's just jump into this. Let's talk about which in the series is your absolute favorite and why. And then whichever one you pick, we'll we'll go into in depth first. Well, I'm torn. I love the first two movies. Like, and I have a hard time picking between them because they are vastly different movies. Yeah. The one that I I guess the I guess my favorite's the first one because that's the one that I go back to and rewatch probably mm-hmm. the most often. Like I feel like it's the more it's very much like this is like a thing that happened a lot in the 80s, I feel like. They would take all the trappings of a slasher or horror movie and apply sci-fi to them and make awesome movies out of them. Because, like, the first Terminator is very yeah. much, like, it's just a slasher movie. Yeah. Instead of being yeah. some kind of weird supernatural. But the plot is structurally that of a slasher movie. It's just that instead of having, like... You've got, like, the unstoppable guy coming after you. Yeah, kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah. So instead of having that, like like that be a supernatural phenomenon they just turn into a science fiction thing and i think alien was like like the originator for that idea or at least the, the codifier for that kind mm-hmm. of idea yeah because it is just a haunted house in space right like it's a bunch of regular people trapped in a fucking area with a monster with a monster yeah. yeah yeah i would i i agree with you that is that would be absolutely my favorite of the series as well and in part just because it's such a masterpiece of sci-fi horror yeah. Uh, like it just, and it does end up codifying a lot of stuff that, you know, will end up getting reused and used to death in some cases. But in this case, like fucking 1979, when it first came out was yeah. totally fucking novel. Yeah. Um, but all right. So yeah, let's, let's jump in depth into the alien, uh, into a- the very first alien movie, the Rid- the Ridley Scott, uh, original movie, um, I mean, can you just sit there and imagine what it must have, be, have been like to watch this movie for the first time without knowing anything about the plot points that, that at this point have become tropes, uh, like the stuff like the face hugger, you know, the acid for blood, the chest burster, all that sort of stuff coming upon that for the first time in the movie and being like, holy fuck, this is crazy. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's kind of lost to people already. Well... I feel like I may have had that kind of experience with this movie because I knew of it, like, you know the broad strokes. Because back then, you couldn't just look it up on the internet, right? Like, we mm-hmm. didn't have that ability to just be like, what is this movie? It was just like, this is a scary movie with a cool alien, cool-looking cool alien in it. You should watch it. And then eventually, mm-hmm. you get to see it. So I feel like maybe that may have been the experience I had with it at the ripe old age of 10 years old. And then I wonder why I'm, like, fucking an insomniac. Maybe that... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Well, for me, it was, the problem was that I, I'm pretty positive that I saw Spaceballs before I saw the first Alien movie. So I'd, I'd already seen the send-up of the chestburster uh, bit, even with John Hurt reprising that That's, yeah, is. that performance oh, uh, in, in that movie before I actually saw an Alien. So as soon as I saw John Hurt with the fucking facehugger on his face, I was like, oh, I remember this from Spaceballs. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, that it's like 10 times more horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> But that that performance, like, our we're jumping a little bit ahead of where I was wanting to go. But yeah, that that fucking performance of that chest bursting scene was just absolutely outstanding. Like, it wasn't just like a straight up like body horror thing. It was very much like almost like medically terrifying. 
Yeah. You know, like you could tell he, his body was just going through something really traumatic. And like, to the point that like, there were points where he couldn't even move. He was just totally seized up. Yeah. And just making like terrible, like gagging noises, like <laughs> shit like that. Well, did you ever hear like, like read any of the, like the, I guess you'd call it production kind of like story behind it, like director's commentary stuff behind that. Like nobody knew what was yes, going to because happen. I have the set. There you go. So, so you've watched the, the commentary. <laughs> We're selling the set here, folks. If yeah, uh, the if you want to go on Amazon, uh, we 20th have 20th Century Fox would like to sponsor a podcast. Yeah, well, Amazon actually, we should get Amazon to sponsor <laughs> the podcast, and we can get free cheap shit because that's pretty much all I use to buy stuff now. It's just Amazon. So yeah, I just renewed my Prime membership, so I'm good. With I, mine's on auto renewal. I'm never getting rid of that <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Mine is too. <laughs> um, totally worth it for the free one day shipping, guys. You should go. Yeah. Why are we fucking pimping Amazon? I don't think I'm pretty sure Amazon doesn't need. <laughs> they, don't, any they don't need our press. <laughs> they do not need our advertising. No, sure. not at all. Um, but yeah, like they were like they didn't know any. Like the the cast knew something was going to happen. They didn't know what, and were just mm-hmm. fucking horrified by what was going on. And yeah. John just acts the shit out of it, right? Like, it just, oh yeah, like, he the does. Whole, the whole like yeah, you're right. Like the whole seizing up, like something really fucking horrible is happening. The fact mm-hmm. that like. They're so the the effects are so nice and subtle too, where like you start to see the blood popping through the that the stark white yeah. fucking outfit he's wearing before anything really happens. So you can you know something's wrong with his chest, but you don't know what. And then it starts to protrude and stuff. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like so yeah. gross. And then the Absolutely. fucking thing bursts out. And it looks like a dick. And it's <laughs> it is very phallic. Yeah. yeah very phallic. HR is it Geiger? Geiger? I think it's Geiger they pronounce Geiger. it. Geiger. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sick motherfucker that man is. So, which I guess like yeah. we can't really do an alien episode without just like outright saying like, yes, oh, yeah, absolutely, genius, beautiful design. You're no. a sick fucking bastard. The design is such an integral part of the yeah. not only the first movie but the overall series. Like his design for the xenomorphs, the face huggers, the space jockey, the space jockey ship, the alien habitats. Everything was just absolutely amazing. Like that that really techno organic uh, feel um, was, I I would say, unlike anything that had been seen on film before at that point. And you don't see anything that, I feel like there hasn't been a design that well brought to life. Executed, yeah. Like executed since then. Like maybe just like from a a conceptual point of view, either like you don't see that kind of like, I'm trying to think of a movie where I'm like, oh yeah, the concept is as strong as that Xenomorph is, Mm -hmm. like overall. And I don't think, it's hard to compare it to anything. I mean, though, you could like, maybe look at the Predator movies like that. That's also a pretty well executed concept, but it's, it's not still, as like I don't. I don't feel like it's not, I don't think Predator it's as iconic. Not, yeah, I feel like the Predator, and I just watched like the, the two of them beat the shit out of each other, <laughs> and I'm like, the Predator just feels like if that feels like a good comic book villain design mm-hmm. to me, whereas like the Alien just feels like a skittery nightmare. You a- know alien. Mean? Yeah, it foreign. feels like yeah. foreign. Yeah, like it, it, but it just feels like it's got that weird kind of spidery, like arachnidy kind of look, and everything's yeah. black and slick and glossy and disgusting, and mm-hmm. like there's nothing that you can. There's not. I mean, obviously, it's still like shaped like humany because there's a there's a dude in the suit and stuff like that. Like there in is some cases. Of it. Yes, also true, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you I really my, just want to jump in Alien Three and have that fight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> some of my no, even Alien Two. There's aliens that don't have suits in them, or That's people. Um, but uh, I, some of my favorite scenes of the entire series are scenes where, like, you have those xenomorphs uh, blending into the machinery, blending into the walls and stuff like that. Um, they're they're so industrial in their design, and that's really cool to me. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, all right. Well, since we're already talking about design, I had another couple notes on that. One was uh, that the Nostromo itself, I thought was pretty unique in its design in terms of like spaceship design at the time. Like we hadn't really seen a, a ship like that that was designed, you know, basically as a tugboat. Yeah, it was a cargo you know, like, ship, right? Yeah, as a cargo ship, right? Like it, it was, it had this huge cargo con uh, sort of uh, module to it, and then it's just this big like fucking workhorse that was pulling it along. It was, it did look a lot like sort of a Battlestar, uh, even yeah. like the seventies Battlestar Galactica design, uh, but it was clearly designed for more industrial purposes. That's also kind of a weird. If you when you look at it from the distance, you get that weird kind of pyramidy kind of vibe, like that. Yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like a city, like a city in space kind of thing, yeah, right? Because it has weird architectural kind of styling to it that like yeah. makes it look like it. You're not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't scream spaceship. You know what I mean? Like you. No, you're, you're yeah. maybe not like. Oh, that looks like what your verbal like cue of like starship would be. It just yeah. looks like a box in space floating, and not even like the Borg kind of box in space floating, but just like yeah, an industrial box in space kind of moving slowly through. Right. Which makes sense, right? Because you think, you know, we think of like spaceships and we think of like uh, Star Trek. We think of the Enterprise. We think of like uh, Star Destroyers or X Wings or something like that, where they're really sleek and streamlined. But there's no fucking dragon space. There's no fucking atmosphere in space. So there's no requirement for it to be particularly streamlined if it's something that's not going to necessarily enter an atmosphere, which it looks like the the actual like cargo portion is not going to. It just stays in orbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, they would want, what do they say? The thing's got 120 fucking trillion tons of ore in there. Yeah. Like they want to dump that into the uh, yeah into the atmosphere of the Earth without yeah. if something goes wrong. That's yeah. gonna be landing that landing that is problematic. Yeah, let's so take it down gonna, a bit at a time. Yeah, probably going to be going down <laughs> a little bit at a time. So yeah, but no, I, that the, the design like the production design on that first alien movie. I mean, it informs the entire series too, which is mm-hmm. like something you can't really you can't deny it you can't deny that like yeah. as much as i will malign the third movie like the look of it is so informed like it's a more decayed version of that look right like it goes back to that heavily industrial kind of like aura or whatever you want to call it so yeah um and then well since before we go away from design the sound design as well i think is super iconic in these movies and it extends i think through basically the whole series, but especially in the first three, it yeah. features really heavily and is is almost sort of a character unto itself. Well, I think it, I think it extends into the uh, our our little prequel, the prequels that we'll have to touch it on does. at some point. Yeah. Like it, I think having Ridley Scott come back kind of influences that too. Like having him having final say on the sound design in the Prometheus slash Covenant like mm-hmm. movies kind of helps that kind of along. But yeah, yeah, that first movie, and it's weird because like I don't know if you. There's probably an option on the Blu-ray to do this, like to watch it in the original audio. I'm wondering if it holds up as well, because like obviously the version I just watched was in 5.1, like mm-hmm. it had been re- like altered for modern sound systems, which is not something that existed in 1979. It would have been probably a loud mono track. Yeah, probably stereo at least. I would think. I don't. But... I don't know when that. I'd have to look up exactly when that sound stuff. When started. movies started, yeah, being in stereo. Because I know like 5.1 came in around Terminator 2. Yeah, I think it was the early first, '90s. Yeah, like early '90s. I think th- I think Terminator Two was the first surround sound movie, like proper built mm-hmm. digital, like 5.1. Um, but I don't know about how the the sound design was done because the DVDs the- are definitely in THX. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're all THX, and like I think the Blu-rays probably have like DTSX or something like that on them. I'd have to look again. 
to the yeah. sound format. Um, well, since we're talking about sound, uh, the the score for the first movie in particular um, is, I think, the most the best out of the first out of all the movies. Basically, like it really adds to that eerie like suspense and atmosphere overall. Like, there's a lot of dissonance, and it's used, but it's also used sparingly. Like, they're all are parts of the movie that are totally like quiet. Yeah. Uh, little to no background noise, no actual score, and it's just really, really unsettling and creepy. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like the uh, score is not usually something that I notice, but it's the the lack of score in that first one that yeah kind of works. And it does have kind of um, is it fully orchestrated or do they do a lot of synthy stuff on that one? Right? No, it's pretty pretty orchestrated. It's like horns and winds and stuff like that, right? But it's not. It's it's kind of atonal. Yeah, like it's not necessarily. It's not really like melodic or anything. It's like do 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 do. I feel like that that score too would have influenced guys going forward. Like I feel like that was probably an influence on John Carpenter's style of scoring. Like I think mm-hmm. he used a lot of that kind of style of stuff going forward too. So yeah, see, I I know it was uh, James Horner did the score on the second one. I'm trying to uh, look up who yeah, did that, the that, score. That, that makes sense. Mid mid eighties mid eighties James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who did the store? Jerry Jerry Goldsmith did the store on the first one, which also makes sense. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith also sort of he a common collaborator of. Right. Yeah, and also a common collaborator of uh, uh, Tim Burton as well. He did. I'm pretty sure Jerry Goldsmith did the theme for the Burbs, which is another iconic score. Um, anyways, but yeah, just the overall feel of this movie was just, just a like I said, just like a a masterpiece, like a a, a workshop in suspense. Um, like you really get that feeling uh, in large part because of Ridley Scott's direction of just being alone in the middle of the universe, like no one else out, out there that could possibly come help you. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that nice, like isolation. That you, it adds to the overall effect of like the movie, like the, the horror of the movie is that like, they're fucked. Like they're out there on their own and there isn't really anything they can do to get mm-hmm. help. Like, there's no help. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll probably come back to this. And this is something I know we've talked about on the podcast before is how I always come back to these movies as the best example of how a director puts his stamp on a film. Um, like the first movie is so clearly a Ridley Scott movie. Uh, like it's all about like suspense and survival and just heightening that feeling of, of, you know, tightening and uh, just keeping it, keeping it at that like 9.5 level the whole yeah. time kind of thing. Yeah. Well, he does it really well, too, because like even as there are like things feel unsettled and it is directorially like the way he shoots it, things mm-hmm. you're already starting to feel unsettled, like within two minutes of the, the intro. Yeah. Like hitting like as they're starting to like wake up and move around and stuff like things feel off and weird. Yeah. There's not a lot of score. Things like are already starting to like have that tension build kind of thing. And it only yeah. amplifies as the movie goes along. That's such like a seventies horror thing, though. Like, I feel like that was kind of the era where they really mastered that kind of like. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like he probably learned. That's the lesson you would have learned from like Friedkin, like doing The Exorcist or whatever, right? Like, it's the same kind of like, like slow... Toby Hooper or something like that, yeah. and like the yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, like that slow build to something, yeah. but like always making it feel like there's something off, even even when everything seems normal and they're all just sitting around a table, something feels fucking weird all the time. Yeah. Kind of thing. But it's, I think it even has something to do with like how it's cut and how it's edited. Like yeah. nothing is ever shown too like explicitly. Um, yeah. It doesn't dwell too long on like the really brutal scenes, which helps to keep up the suspense. It, you only get like a little bit at a time. Like when you do see that chestburster scene where the face hugger is jumping out at Kane, you only see that for like a split second, and then it cuts straight back to like that long shot of the ship. 
Yeah. Where you're seeing them bring him back, you know, carrying him back onto the ship sort of thing. So you're not getting like a really graphic depiction of the face hugger, like, you know, grabbing him and wrapping its uh, tail around his neck and stuff. Which is just like, like probably cutting around special effects, but just adds to the, the tension of the movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they probably didn't have any effective way to really like have the face hugger, like grab onto the guy. Yeah. Like physically. But but they also could have it. They could have maybe like shown it in a few different disparate scenes kind of thing. Like, you know, they could have cut it such that like they have one scene where it's jumping out at him and then a reaction shot from one of the other cast members. And then they cut back to him and they show on his face and, you know, they could have done it in, in editing, but they didn't, you know, they were just like, this is what happens. And then it's not until you get back to the ship and you see them take off the helmet that you actually see the thing like, you know, suction to his face. Well, also then, like having like acided through like the layers of fucking like glass or yeah. plastic, right? Like that's it's. You don't wonder what like happens to that acid. Like, wouldn't that have hit his face? There is, that is yeah. Like, like that's one thing that I always think about when I'm watching it. Again, I'm like, somehow that's true. It's fine under there, even though there was like, <laughs> how much acid did this thing all have? That, like, it's it all perfectly stopped secreting the acid just at as the it time where it would, you know, it would get through yeah. the helmet, but. Which just not, seems odd to me, but not melt through his face. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that first scene where you see the reveal of like this the face hugger like on like you know oh, on him and so grabbing gross. him, and then you see the fucking like tail, the, the tail coil, con- yeah. constrict around his neck. That is oh so good. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the other thing that really strikes me about the first Alien movie is the sets are massively impressive for that time period. Uh, like the interior of the Nostromo, the interior of the space jockey's ship, like that's all that's gotta be mostly physical. Very there's well, very little like map painting and stuff there. It looks I think like the, the interior of the, the space jockey ship is a is a lot of matte painting. Like mm. it was really good about cutting the sets to kind of like they're really good about shooting the sets to show yeah. you very little when they're in close up and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then when they pull back, I think there's a lot of matte painting involved. But I mean the again. jockey the jockey itself and his chair and everything that's clearly well, that's, all physical that's, that's all physical yeah yeah and like the nostromo's equipment bays look to be mostly physical like all the you know equipment shit they've got in there um, well it's easy because they didn't they didn't make it look it, like it doesn't look it's high tech but they don't make it look like unbelievably high tech like yeah. it still looks like industrial like oh yeah like it still looks like it's been it's lived in future right? i think that's like kind of what the the, the aesthetic they had going for it on the ship was called like when they were designing yeah. it. Whereas it has that kind of like, it's worn down, it's functional, but that's why there's a lot of engineers on the ship to kind of keep it. Yeah. You know, hammered in working place. and yeah, no, I love how lived in it feels like, uh, and one of the scenes where I, I think the sets in particular play a really nice role. Like there are some beautiful, beautiful shots in that. And we'll get a little bit later on into our, favorite scenes of all the movies but uh i really love the scene where the older engineer is cooling off under like the drops of water when you've got like the chains clinking around yeah, above him and stuff yeah. like that and then he encounters like that's the first time you see like the full-grown xenomorph yeah like yeah and you don't even really see it like it, it, it shows up behind him like in silhouette up. yeah yeah and you're not yeah. even sure you're actually seeing it until it really starts to move in like it's yeah it's a very well shot film too so there's that oh yeah absolutely i mean that that the final face off between like ripley and the xenomorph and the shuttle that's like a master class in suspense yeah like she finally yeah she finally gets it out and it gets caught by the grappling gun and then it makes its way back to the ship and she fucking 
burns the shit out of it with the engines and everything like that is very much just much just like edge of your seat like oh my god what the fuck's happening yeah yep um, oh yeah and like Sigourney Weaver is awesome throughout like that's just one of the things too is like that whole cast is like really spectacular too like he managed to cast not like a huge name cast by any means like Sigourney Weaver was totally unknown like she didn't become Sigourney Weaver until Alien right like that's when yeah. she became famous so like who's the fucking is it Tom Skerritt the guy the, the yeah. yeah uh yeah like who's who plays the captain and it's just like He's your biggest name, and I think he was a TV actor at best or something like that at the time, yeah. or maybe. I don't even know really much about him, but like, they didn't have a huge cast, but they're all fucking awesome at everything they did, and everybody was like super creepy. Yeah. And I can't remember the guy the, the, who played Bishop, the guy, the guy's name, but he does an excellent uh, job. It's, it's like, Ian Holm. Oh, Ian Holm. No, right. that's Ash. Ash is the first movie. Bishop is two and three. Right. Sorry, Bishop is Lance Henriksen. Yeah, right. Lance Henriksen. It's Ash that, uh, yeah, Ian Holm, who is Bilbo. Right. ABC, uh, in the, sorry. Yeah. You're right. Um, <laughs> uh, plays, yeah, plays, uh, plays Ash in the first one. Yeah, yeah, that that is a really good performance. Um, uh, well, let's jump ahead because that was another sort of section I had, which was overall favorite characters from the series. And I mean, obviously, Ripley is just fucking dominates the series overall. Like, she's an yeah, awesome like, character. I don't know if there's like anybody else. I mean, there's there's bits and pieces of stuff that I like from all of them. I don't know if I have like a character that I'm like, they're all fucking die. So it's hard to get attached <laughs> to anybody yeah. in these movies. I mean, there's stuff that like, there's performances that I like and stuff yeah. like that you enjoy when you go back to them. But I'm like, I don't know. I feel like in like the first movie's got that like kind of home crew kind of like co-worker feel like they're yeah. all kind of buddy buddy and stuff like that even if they are kind of sh- they're arguing about fucking wages and stuff and yeah like, kind of being shitty to each other and whatever well, and that's but, that's the guy that i love is the the guy that's arguing for the wages in the first movie yeah. parker the yeah. the black dude uh, where he's like i'm not getting paid for this shit it's not our job to fucking do this shit let's just fuck off and go home kind of thing yeah. like yeah. he's the voice of reason very much so he's like besides ripley probably my favorite character in that movie where and he's just like throughout the movie he's just like the all right, this guy's got a fucking thing on his face. Why don't they just fucking freeze him? And yeah. Ash is just like, no, I think we should look at him. He's like, no, fuck you, Ash. Just fucking freeze him and go home. Yeah, let's get us home. <laughs> yeah. He's also the guy that has uh, another one of the best lines in the movie after the after they uh, uh, cut the knuckle and the acid pours out, which is another great reveal yeah. where they're like chasing it down the decks, but like where he's like, it's got a wonderful defense mechanism. We don't dare kill it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I just love his like sarcastic bullshit. Yeah, well, that's like why that character's there. It's almost like yeah. that's that tension valve. You know what I mean? Like, like having him there to say, the, like, to state the obvious or to like yeah. kind of be shitty to everybody is like just yeah. enough to kind of like not have you have a fucking heart attack during this two hour like yeah. nightmare. So, um, but yeah, the uh, Ian Home is Ash is really good as well. It's it's creepy as fuck. Like yeah. if you re- like having. Like rewatching the movie, knowing that he's an android, you yeah. can definitely pick up on some things where he's like a little off, kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe watching it the first time, you're just like, "That's a shitty performance" or something like that. Or he's just a weird guy or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. It's hard to say, but like when you rewatch it, just like, "Oh yeah, they they don't." It's not. I don't want to say like it's telegraphed, but it is kind of like it's there for yeah. you to pick up if you are paying enough attention. Yeah, it's just like a little bit stilted, a little bit unnatural at a couple points where you're just like, "That's weird." That he would respond that way. It's not like um, you would have any like prerequisite or like 
about yeah. artificial life forms existing in Ridley Scott's, you know, <laughs> at that No, point. not at all. Um, wasn't this movie <laughs> right before that? Oh, yeah, I think uh, Blade Runner was 1981 or something like that. Yeah, or it was yeah, it was coming up or something like that. Yeah, so if you're yeah. going back to these, oh, that's right, it was after. So not a know. not a replicant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other character in in this movie in particular that I just can't fucking stand is Lambert, the the other female character. Oh right, right, right. yeah. She's just actress, fucking. I ugh. hate that actress, and I think you're supposed to like. She's never in a role where you're like, yeah. oh, I really like her. Because she's just fucking obnoxious in every role she's in. She's awesome at that role, but like, yeah, but she's just like she's just like whiny and hysterical, and like really stands out as like, especially in contrast to Ripley, as you know, super competent and relatively calm given the situation. She stands out as like super obnoxious, scared. Yeah, like it's it's almost like they put her in the movie just to remind people, like, don't worry, folks, women can still be weak and ineffectual in the future. Like we did put in this amazing female character, but don't worry, women are still terrible. This well, is still the late seventies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's still Star Trek movies to come that are going to prove that to you. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I fucking that's a, that's I hate that's that a little, fucking character. Yeah, that character's a little annoying. So yeah. Um. All right. Did you have any? Is there anything about the first movie you don't like? There is some some of the shit like the cat jump scare kind of like I was yeah. like. That's a jump scares thing. was on mine too. Yeah, there's like because they do that one really blatant one with the, with Jonesy, and it's yeah. just like, fuck you, like really, like you're doing all this fucking magnificent work, and you're still gonna have this shit. You're still fucking, gonna like, resort to jump scares. Yeah, he's gonna have like a jump scare in there. So yeah, that that was like the probably the one. It's probably my one big problem with it. Um, I can't yeah. think of anything else like offhand I, that I'm like fuck that about this movie. So I agree for sure on jump scares. Like I generally think jump scares are fucking cheap, but. The other thing you have to keep in mind is at this point, jump scares weren't necessarily as overused as they are to us now. So maybe sure. it's maybe it's a little bit more forgivable uh, than that. Um, the other thing is there are definitely some points where you can totally fucking tell that the xenomorph is just a dude in a suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in some of the wide shots. Yeah. Special effects failure in a movie made in 1979 is not like it's you it's know. it's forgivable, but it's still distracting. Yeah. I mean, like. We love those Star Wars movies. I mean, you more than me, but like, you, there's still some shit in those, especially the first one where you're like, yeah, I was made for nothing. Like, that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is a piece of plastic on a shitty matte screen. You know what I mean? Like, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but I, I also grew up on the original Star Trek show. So, like, <laughs> which is just absolute ultimate camp. To me, as well, just be fucking cardboards on people's face, like cardboard cutouts on people's faces at <laughs> the time. So. Yeah, it's serious. Um, all right. Well, we've talked about our most favorite series or movie in the series now. Mark, what is your least favorite movie in the Alien series? Like just like the main Alien series? Uh, you can include Prometheus and Covenant if you want, or the AVP movies. <sighs> uh, any movie that has had something tangentially related. Any movie set in that universe i think i think I, I think you can't not say four i think it, it, resurrection is just like really okay like the nadir of the fucking like <laughs> the franchise like it's pretty bad it's such a shit show like <laughs> the avp movies are like they're almost at this point they're so like discontinuity like they're so they're completely written out of continuity because like because of prometheus and stuff like mm. that so like they don't even count anymore and even if they did count they're fucking horrible like <laughs> as best B movies, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. clearly schlock and have like 
blatant disregard for the continuity set, especially for like the like the way the aliens behave, mm-hmm. not like the xenomorphs behave, because <clears throat> they're all aliens, I guess. <laughs> but like, like the, especially the way like the xenomorphs behave, like there's some shit that's just like doesn't make sense or like whatever in those movies. But like they're garbage and they're supposed to be garbage. I feel like Resurrection was just like a total fucking slap in the face. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was just yeah. like a fucking nightmare of a movie. Like, as much as I dislike the third one for just like shitting all over how much I love the second one, <laughs> the fourth movie's just like, it's like a giant fuck you to the entire franchise, that feels like sometimes. So, mm. although I do love, uh, I can't, well, why I just blanked on his name, Ron Perlman. Like, I do yeah. love me some Ron Perlman. So, yeah. What's what's your least favorite one? My least favorite is probably you like the third one. So I do like third one. I I, I'm not a huge fan of the fourth one, but overall, I think AVP Requiem is the worst overall. Like it's just it's just horseshit. Like the and it's almost solely because of the fact that they tried to make a predator alien hybrid, the pred alien. Yes. And let's let's be honest, that concept only had about like a 2% chance of actually being anything other than a giant flaming pile of shit to begin with. <laughs> Agreed. Like and and they did not get it right. No, the um they to their credit, they never really give you a good clear shot of it either. Like that was the one thing I noticed about that movie. I'm watching it because I they knew that it was terrible, so they were like, like guys, yeah, I, let's I not actually like, show this in a wide. We were job. talking about doing this episode for the last couple of days, so I was like, and I've never seen Alien vs Predator Requiem, so I watched Alien vs Predator yesterday because I think I saw it once, maybe in my life ever, and the second one I never saw. So I was like, if we're going to talk about the alien movies, I have to at least see the second of this fucking... I know it's going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to sit through it. I'm gonna, probably going to be TV tropes for most of it, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And I was like, all the characters are, are dog shit. <laughs> um, it's like cardboard cutouts, left, right, and center. The blonde hot girl is not even that hot. Like, ugh, disappointing. <laughs> and then, like, it's rated R. She doesn't get naked. I hate the post-2000 world. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um but like holy fuck like it's just so bad like yeah lots like nonsensical at best i don't know aliens like why can the thing what happened to the eggs like it, it completely gets rid of the face huggers yeah because it doesn't need the face huggers anymore it's so like joyfully enjoys showing me like pregnant like pregnant people getting eaten and stuff i'm just like this is a weird fucking movie why is this happening it just shits on like all the best parts of the franchise both franchises not even like the predator yeah. franchise is like a great franchise one good movie out of like 19 or however many they've made <laughs> and that's based solely on the fact that like schwarzenegger can barely act in 1986 or whatever the fuck that movie was made. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah avp avp requiem is just a fucking dumpster fire Oh fuck! Like I, there are some parts of of Resurrection that I genuinely enjoy, although overall not a huge fan. Not a great movie, no. But uh, but I, I can't remember any part of AVP. Uh, granted, I'm like you; I have not rewatched uh, either of the AVP movies. Well, I just um, I just did like I'm let it to be fair. I just saw Requiem for the first time, but like I yeah. just rewatched AVP. I think I saw it in theaters. I think I may have still been working at a movie theater when that came out. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, but it's hard to say. Yeah, I, I I'll. I would unfriend you if you had actually paid money to see oh, that no. shit. 
there's a there's a like an eight year period where I was working at that theater that I did not pay money for a goddamn yeah. movie at all. So I saw a lot of shit because it was free and I had nothing better to do but to go to the movies at midnight and run a show for myself. So yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that EVP, the first one, the best character is the other girl, and they kill her, and I'm like, why? Why? I don't go. even rem- I don't even remember it well enough to it's like there's there's like because like the main girl there's like the main girl who's the black girl who's like a survivalist kind of like expert or some oh. shit like that and then one of the mercs is this like blonde French girl and they mm-hmm. fucking she's one of the first people to get face huggered and I was just like is it the first one that's got Alien Brody in it or Adrian Brody yes yeah okay. yeah. Yeah, the second one's got literally nobody you recognize in it. Like I didn't. <laughs> I was watching the movie and I was like, I don't know who any of these fucking people are. I thought we get one person. I couldn't get like Lance Hedrickson to show up again. Which I mean, yeah. they killed him in the first one. Yeah, they killed him in the first one. No, they. Oh, Lance. Yeah, they, yeah well, yeah. but they could have brought him back as another another Bishop model. Yeah, but he was no. It was like the real guy. He was actually like yeah, no. Uh, he was the guy in, yeah. in the first movie or supposed he was the to guy. Be anyway. Well, he was the same guy he played in Alien Three. But then they, they could have gotten him to come back just as a bishop. Yeah, but like, would they have had androids at that point? It's supposed to be like 2004. Like, all this shit happens That's way true. in the future, so it doesn't make any sense anyway. Yeah, this is So, true. like, none of this makes any fucking sense one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, Alright, well, we have... We've shit on the shitty parts of this franchise enough, so let's oh, go Oh, we back. haven't shit on all the shitty parts yet, Tim. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on to one that I'm pretty sure we can both uh, agree with for now, and let's talk about the second Aliens, the James Cameron entry in the franchise from the mid mid eighties. Yeah. Nineteen eighty six, right? If I'm not uh mistaken. something like that, like fucking seven years after the first one. Yeah. Um I love Aliens. I think I mean it's completely different. Like I think we I said this already, but like this is a, a like a completely different movie genre, yeah. like wholesale different kind of experience than the first movie. Which I guess like is the only way to do it. Like how do you top that first movie, right? Yeah. As Alien Three is going to prove eventually. You fucking can't. So, may as well do something <laughs> we'll fun. <see. laughs> Although I've already given away, it's not my favorite. So no. Um, but, well, yeah, I mean the first one not be your favorite, right? Like this is true. It's either the first or the second one. Like depends on if you just want to watch aliens get fucking mowed down, yeah. or you want to watch like properly shot suspense. Like yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the the second and and. I'm going back to this that like it is quite clearly a James Cameron movie like in every fucking way like he immediately the very first thing that he does is massively expand the world yeah like from this tiny little sort of microcosm he takes us back to the macrocosm you get a lot more information about the uh the company um the battle scenes are much larger there's you know fucking massive explosions and huge intricate oversized weaponry almost as though he's trying to compensate for something and you get like the distrust of industry and technology that's just a hallmark of all of james cameron's movies like look at fucking avatar look at the terminator Terminator. Yeah. yeah um but yeah i mean i i loved that um you know, the, it really easily could have been like Ridley's just been floating for like the six weeks or two months or whatever that she was expecting to and got picked up. But what actually happened is that she almost floated all the way through all the fucking core systems and out the other end and just yeah. luckily got picked up before she just fucking floated out into the abyss forever. Yeah. Uh, but it ended up taking like, so she's been in hypersleep or whatever for like 60 fucking years. 
Yeah, which they so, don't. You have to watch the director's cut to get most of that back info too, because they don't really like do a lot of that. Uh, no, they do. I, I watched all the theatrical cuts to prepare for this, and they oh, do cover you? all. Yeah, they cover all that in the theatrical cuts. Okay, I thought a lot of that was added they, in the director's cut, but I don't know if I've ever actually seen a version of Aliens that was not the director's cut anymore, because like that's the only one that. Yeah, I figured. I figured I would just. I mean, I know I've I've seen both of them, and I do know some of the differences between most of them, and we'll get to that a lot in Alien Three in particular. But uh, I'm gonna have to trust you on that one because I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I know that movie well enough to, to really be like <laughs> down with like director's cuts and shit. It's not even a director's cut. Fincher it's a the assembly cut. That movie. He does yeah. disown that movie, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. We'll get to it. Quit huh. rushing me. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. The director um, has nothing to do with that movie, and he's gonna defend it. Fascinating well, to me. Ridley Scott's a picky motherfucker. Let's be honest. David Fincher, you mean? Yeah, David Fincher. Um, but anyway, aliens. Aliens. It it does uh, obviously lean a lot harder into the criticism of like capitalism and bureaucracy and stuff like that. But we do get a lot more fleshing out of the company itself, and I think uh, we we have to acknowledge Wayland Utani as like one of the, if not the best, uh, fictional companies that exists in sort of uh, fictional media. Well, I'm a big like Stark Industries fan, but uh, you know, or LexCorp. Wayne, Wayne Enterprises. Or Wayne Enterprises, yeah. Enterprises is a favorite of mine. But, you know, yeah. I think if you're going to, like, codify, like, scary future... Because, like, even they even reference it in Firefly, right? Like, the whole Blue Sun yeah. company thing. Like, it's just... A, it's blatantly Joss just being like, I really like those alien movies. I mean, <laughs> I know I kind of wrote the worst ones. It's, and it's still got the uh, the feeling of, the, uh, of that, like, Asian-influenced mm-hmm. universe kind of thing, too. Yeah. yeah, so um, that's the thing about aliens. I feel like the first two movies have had so much influence that it's yeah. almost hard to kind of like extricate them from like what is, especially the culture that you and I kind of like soak in all the time. They're so part of the fabric of like sci-fi and stuff like that. Like that whole <laughs> space marine badass thing that they do in Aliens, yeah. which is like, I mean, as a even a like quasi casual gamer that I am now, is every second fucking video game now like these big macho assholes with giant guns going after bugs and shit like that is just like every third video game that I play. Cause I just want to shoot shit until it dies. Like, yeah. So like, it's so part of the, like, especially aliens has become so part of the fabric of like action culture that it's hard to like, where does like, where's just the movie and where is it's like influence on everything. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about aliens. Like it is just basically like a lot of fucking, a big, like fucking fun bug hunt. Um, we can talk more about like individual scenes when we get to our favorite scenes from the series kind of thing. But, uh, I think my favorite scenes are all from that. So that's the thing. Like I love yeah. that first movie, but I think my favorite scenes would be from aliens. Cause they're the more like actiony quotable. Like it's the, like, okay. the most quotable yeah, yeah. one of the, of the bunch. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah. I did like there was a little uh, sort of like continuity note that was nice where uh, they had like a running gag on shitty cornbread uh, in between the first two movies. So like when they all wake up in the first movie, they're talking around the table, which is a really nice scene. Like it's all like really natural conversation. Yeah. It's not doesn't feel like really scripted or whatever. And yeah. one of the things they talk about like is what the fuck is this shit? I, it's supposed to be cornbread or something like that. And then all they right. come back to that in in Aliens when all the Marines wake up and uh, Ash is going around and offering people cornbread and they're like, what right. the fuck is this? Yeah. 
That's right. I didn't. I didn't even pick up on that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just because I watched them sort of back to back, like one day after the other. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really uh, appreciated with Aliens that wasn't like necessarily an individual scene was that uh, they did redeem the androids. Like yeah. Ash. Ash was a much better character. Like it wasn't just showing. It was was wasn't just like every android is evil and you know a, a shill for the company kind of thing. And then, um, like, I do love Lance Henriksen. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like he does not get enough play. I mean, he gets a, like he's in a ton of movies, but he's always like a B character. Like, yeah. I do love that actor. I don't know why he's not in more. Like, he should still be in stuff. I know he's getting up there these days, probably. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's got to be like in seventies now. Yeah, probably. But I do like that guy an awful lot. So, yeah. Um, anything else in particular that you want to mention about the second movie? Um. Aside from, yeah, I mean, what do we talk about? I mean, it introduced the queen, which kind of threw some weird yeah. stuff into, like, the, the reproductive cycle of the alien, because they, they didn't I love that. The original. Yeah. No, it's awesome. And, like, the whole fight at the end and all that kind of stuff, like, everything's just, like, this overblown. It's such a James Cameron movie. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It, is it, just, is. it is overblown. It's, like, huge, huge, grandiose. Yeah. yeah, it's just, like, it's a romp. I mean, it's a, it's a dark, like, horrifying romp, but it's still just, like, it's a fucking fun... Two and out of fifteen hour, like I don't know how long the fucking movie is, but they're all about two hours. Yeah, a two hour long like fucking roller coaster ride, right? With some like gross skittery bug alien things coming at you. So yeah, I like the acting. Like a lot of the acting is really good in it, though. Like I like Michael Mm -hmm. Bean. I think didn't get. I always feel like he never got his acting was good. Hicks was good. Yeah, like I I feel like he does. He's another guy. Like he's like like Lance Henriksen. Like he's in that production posse that kind of shows up a lot in the James Mm -hmm. Cameron movies. But he never got any kind of play anywhere else. Like he's only, I'm sure he's in other stuff that I never saw. But like he's only really in Terminator and Aliens in terms of like yeah. big things that he's in. And it's like whatever. So. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I I really wish that I could have seen uh, the sort of um, Alien 2.5 movie that was getting developed and tossed around. That was oh, oh the Blomkamp or whatever. Yeah, the Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, uh, one that was like there was production art and stuff like that that was getting shared around that looked really cool and it basically would have been like a direct sequel to Aliens and would have basically negated Alien Three. Uh, uh, if only Mark, Mark would have jizzed all over. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it did look really cool. But I mean, with Ridley Scott sort of planned sequels now, I don't think it's probably going to happen. I don't know. There's rumors floating around they're not they're not going to get another sequel. No, I just saw rumors again this week saying like the. A sequel to Covenant is in jeopardy because the movie didn't perform quite as well as. Yeah, that's surprising. It was a good movie. I liked it a lot. I like yeah. when I started seeing reviews being kind of like mixed or negative. I was, not negative, but like more mixed kind of. I yeah. was like, that's odd because it worked for me. So yeah. Um. Well, that was that was one of the gripes I had with Aliens was that there was uh, so, which was one of the common gripes people had with Covenant was that there was some rehashy stuff. Uh, like you know they start the movie frozen and finish the movie frozen kind of thing, which is exactly what they do in the first movie. And there's also that sort of like tease where like, Oh, they got away. Everything's okay. But then the alien has gotten onto the ship with them kind of thing. So there's definitely some plot points that Cameron, well, Cameron and the writers kind of recycled, uh, which, you know, I think that they could have avoided, but let's take into account the fact that these movies were made seven years apart kind of thing. So it's not, maybe not as bad as if you're sitting down and watching it like one after the other. No, probably not. Yeah. And I I think that's something that like we take for granted that probably Mm -hmm. wasn't like a huge decision-making factor in like 1986. Cause like, yeah, 
I guess home video was around, so I'm assuming you probably could have just gone and like rented Alien, maybe. I don't know how it worked back then. Yeah. I was five, so I don't know. <laughs> um, was but Blockbuster uh, existent back then, or is it like now no. where Blockbuster doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> in its very limited existence? Yeah, they had a lot of they had they had like 15 really fucking good years, and then just things went really fucking horrible for them. Yeah, <laughs> and by horrible, I mean Netflix happened. So. <laughs> All right, it's showdown time. So, uh, all right, now that we are right at that, uh, getting up on that two-hour mark, it is time for what is probably going to be the most spirited discussion of the episode, and that is the third movie, Alien 3, the David uh, Fincher-directed film from uh, 1992. Is it directed by David Fincher? Where does it say (laughs) that it's directed by David Fincher on that fucking movie, Tim? Where does it say that? (laughs) Wikipedia says that. Yeah. Want to know why? Because everybody knows it, but it ain't on the fucking movie. <laughs> Pretty sure that's about <laughs> So it is true that uh, Alien 3 was basically a movie that got plagued by uh, development issues. Like they were like shooting without a fucking script and uh, they ended up with like multiple directors that were on it and shit like that. So yes, it had its problems in development for sure. <laughs> Just putting it lightly, maybe. <laughs> and maybe one of the best, like, if you get a chance to go and look up, like, read an article about the production of Alien 3, it may be one of the best, like, Hollywood fucks a director story, like, of yeah. all time. That being said, it does still clearly feel like a Fincher movie. Like, well, yeah. It's, yeah. it's subversive, it's jarring, it's unsettling in a way that the other movies weren't. Uh, it's somewhat, it's challenging more than the other movies, it's disorienting. It has more uh, sort of camera angles and editing that is sort of angular and jarring and that sort of thing as well. Um, it's more has this feel that's more like brutal and graphic and dirty and broken. We should all just be very, very thankful that this movie flopping did not fucking tank David Fincher's career before <laughs> it really got started. Because like his next movie was like seven. So, <laughs> I mean, he came out of this okay, but he still disowns this fucking hunk of shit. So... Why is it a hunk of shit, Mark? Okay. <laughs> Honestly, you know what the worst part is? I don't like hate the movie. It's just such like a fuck you to like the fan like the fan base of that the second movie that like it completely resets everything that happened in the second movie in a really horrifying way. So it negates the end of the second movie completely. Because they all fucking die. They all survive this horrible thing that happened on LV426 and then they fucking then, die in the like three minutes. And then yeah, and then Hicks and Newt are dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, fucking Ripley's dead. I, I don't even know who any of the characters are. Because, like, aside from, like, the black one, they're all completely identical fucking Englishmen. Like, they're all <laughs> shaped and wearing brown outfits. It's, like, the least distinct cast in the history of fucking cinema. Like, you could have just interchanged any of them at any point in time. And I'd have been like, I sure, okay. I guess that's the same fucking character I was watching. <laughs> I have no fucking idea because they're all the, they're all bald British dudes. No fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. Like, I'm not, I'm being hyperbolic. I don't like this movie, but it's not like, I don't rewatch it very often either. So like, (laughs) I don't know. I just didn't like it. And it's based mostly on the fact that like, it is pretty like jarringly hateful of like the end of aliens and like, all right. I I do. I I mean, I lament the death of sit here and fucking, (laughs) I, I lament. I do also lament the death of uh, Hicks and Newt, but 
it's also not a particularly hopeful series. Like it's not a series where everybody, you know, survives and everything's happy kind of thing. It's very much survival horror. So the fact that characters die at the blink of an eye is, you know, at the director's whim or whatever is not particularly a, a, a detracting point for me. Um, I thought I, I like the setting here. I like the fact that we're getting uh, put into a situation where the prisoners are having to fight off a xenomorph with very limited resources, um, which almost does take us back to the uh, first movie. But these are clearly people that are a lot more dysfunctional and a lot less resourceful. Um, so it's interesting to see how this sort of group of outcast, outcasts and criminals and misfits deals with the crisis in comparison to like a highly trained military group or, you know, a functional uh, group of crew members on the Nostromo. Well, they're grunts at best, right? Like the, yeah. first, the first group. So, but they are. And there's, there's still some, you know, somewhat improvising in that kind of thing, but they're, they, they at least have a mostly functioning ship rather than this like falling apart sort of, uh, you know, uh, smel- smelting facility kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the hyper masculinity syndrome that they have, like this XYY chromosome, def- uh, sort of deformity. I thought that that was a really interesting point. Um, it, it also provided a unique and unusual sort of backdrop for a sci-fi horror movie where you've got basically these like hyper males. Uh, they're all like just fucking like rapists and sexually, mis- you know, uh, sexually deviant misogynistic guys and they're having to you're you're having to to some extent um uh empathize with them i thought was interesting and it's very much a fincher thing to do i think i think that's part of the problem too is like you don't empathize like that's i think that's one of the failings of the movie is like i don't feel like you ever really empathize with any of them like i never feel bad when any of them die i'm like good because like in theory that guy's a piece of shit so (laughs) yeah getting, getting ripped apart by a fucking xenomorph Probably better than he deserves. But that's also why they can probably get away with having it being more like brutal and graphic in terms yeah. of the, the the deaths and the uh, the depiction of of the uh, of the xenomorph just fucking tearing into them and shit like that. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot bloodier than uh, the other ones. But uh, I thought that 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 syndrome in particular made an interesting backdrop for a sci-fi horror movie, and it added an extra level of danger and intrigue and suspense because Ripley's also trying to survive the inmates on top of surviving the Xenomorph. I feel like I just rewatched, I just rewatched this movie not too long ago and I feel like I did not catch that plot point at all. Like, is that something that's said in dialogue and then ignored yeah. for the rest of the movie? Yeah, they, they mention it for sure. The fact that they're, they've all got like, they're all double Y's. They all have two Y chromosomes that and that's why bad? they're all deviant. How all males are though, isn't that? No, males are X Y. You fucking neophyte. I don't know. I'm not a fucking scientist. I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> goddamn. Males, males are uh, females are X X and males are X Y chromosomes. Oh. So they have an extra Y chromosome, so they end up being like hyper masculine because of that. Is the the premise? I wonder if you were like hyper masculine, they all look like Schwarzenegger or some shit like that. <laughs> then. Uh, I I don't know that hyper masculine. I feel like hyper masculine doesn't necessarily means like maybe hyper aggressive, not necessarily like hyper muscular. I just, I mean, if you're gonna go, although men do have more muscle, like a are are generally leaner than women in terms of overall like body composition. But oh god, that hurts. All right, <laughs> you win. I have no idea how to fucking like deal with that. So. <laughs> but I mean that that setting and and the cast in particular. Does that not feel like a like a modern Doctor Who episode to you? 
Oh, it absolutely. Yeah, it definitely does feel like something they would. Well, okay. Yes. Not necessarily with rapists. (laughs) But I think a big problem I have with the movie is that, like, as bleak as the other movies are, there is always, like, a glimmer of hope kind of at the end of the fucking thing. Mm -hmm. This movie is just, like, nihilistic to, like, the nth degree. Like, I don't care what happens to anyone. Again, it's a Fincher movie. movie. But, like, even the end of Seven still has that little speech. And granted, (laughs) I will grant the studio made him put that fucking in. But it's still there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think all his movies are like that anymore, are they? I what was his last flick? What what was the last one he did? I don't even remember. Gone Girl was his last one. Oh, see, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that was that was a fucking pretty fucking dire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and next is a World War Z sequel. Apparently, shit, he's doing sequels. Well, we're talking about a sequel that he did, but um, this was his first fucking movie, though, right? So yeah. The other thing that I really like about this too is I thought it was. This is where we're first introduced to the idea that the xenomorphs can take on characteristics of their of their hosts, the hosts that they incubate in. Yeah. So the fact that a canine host ge- generates a quadrupedal xenomorph, wasn't it? Uh, which I thought was I, I thought know. was pretty cool. You are thinking about the assembly cut. Oh, uh, nerdy reference. Yeah. So okay. in the theatrical cut, it's the dog, uh, basically the pet of one of the uh, prisoners. His name is Spike. It's like a Rottweiler or something like that. Uh, And the Xenomorph uh, is birthed out of him. But in the assembly cut, yes, it ends up being an ox, which makes a little bit more sense because the Xenomorph ends up being pretty fucking big and is born pretty big uh, and is not born like in that sort of gestational like uh, pupae chest hugger or chest burster kind of version. Let's just call it what it was. Dick with teeth. Yeah. (laughs) this is true and a tail yeah giant (laughs) cock with teeth yeah um but because but uh the this xenomorph birth scene is probably the most disturbing of the series as well and maybe this just goes back to one of the reasons me liking this movie is because i love gore and i love horror but like if you don't like avp too interesting (laughs) it's the pred alien man yeah fuck it's it's a fucking deal breaker. Oh, I could have designed a better fucking alien than like alien hybrid, like alien <laughs> hybrid than that. And I'm not even really into drawing aliens and shit, but like I'm sure I could have come up with something better than that fucking monstrosity. Yeah. Um, I also really enjoy the color palette of this movie. Those like rusty reds and oranges and browns. It makes it definitely. I mean, they're definitely trying to evoke like a hellish atmosphere. Um, well, except they call the, isn't the the planet called Fury or something? Fury. Like that? Yeah. 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 Um, except until the company arrives and they're all like a uh, white and bright and shiny and clean kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, again, something that's interesting. Cause that's kind of also a, a firefly steel too. Right. Cause that's like, true. Yeah. Cause everything's very like Brown and like rusty in the, yep. uh, in the, like in the verse serenity and yeah, yeah on serenity and like on the other planets and stuff like that. Yeah. So. I also I think that the reflection that they sort of had on uh, faith and religion within the prison population was pretty interesting, like that being their main motivation for going on, because these guys basically have no reason to live besides that at this point, because they're, you know, more or less in prison for life on this colony. Well, I mean, like, realistically speaking, if you were to like, if she what should have happened, she should have crash landed on that planet and then drowned because they all should have shot themselves if they're living on that place with like. <laughs> No reason to live otherwise, aside from like this weird religion, this weird <laughs> cult that they have going on. Yeah, 
But I mean, that's very, very much what happens to a lot of people in prison, right? Like they're yeah. like, I have nothing to go on. I need something to grab onto kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that also uh, was sort of an interesting, interesting take. And again, like a very Fincher, like, uh, you know, twisted take on, on that sort of theme. Yeah, but I still feel like maybe spelled out as cleanly as it needed to be to make it accessible. So yeah, that's true. I think, I think like, like I, I don't disagree with the points you're making about the movie. And so I feel like they're not necessarily put forward in a way that's like super clear in the movie, which detracts from like the experience well, of the film. I feel like it's, I feel like it's Fincher isn't necessarily like spelling shit out for you. Right. Like he's, he's giving you the framework and sort of letting you fill in the blanks rather than being like really fucking leading you by the, now, by the, Next. Were you, are we really going to give him that or much the credit? Studio. And the, the movie was such a shit show getting produced that like this, <laughs> he was able to put that much thought into this movie, or is it just that it's a disjointed shit show of a fucking movie? And it is disjointed. It is disjointed. I will give you that in yeah. in some ways. Like, why does Ripley hop into bed with that guy? It makes no sense whatsoever. <sighs> I'm okay with that. I'm super okay with that. She's been like alone out in the fucking you know alone in space and has been through so much traumatic shit that she just wants fucking like human contact. I'm totally okay with that. I guess, but at the same time, like and she she's the aggressor and I love that. She, she does it to ditch a fucking question. Like, cause she asked, she asked what happened and yeah. she, she bones him to kind of get away from that question is part of like, well, he's also really evasive though as well though. Right. Like in terms of his past and why he has the prison tattoo. That's true. Yeah. So they're both playing games with each other. Um, I also like I love the twist that uh, Ripley's got a not only is has a xenomorph gesting gestating inside her, but that it's a fucking queen, and that's why the runner won't kill her, and that's and then she uses that to her advantage, and she like actively seeks out the runner to test her theory. Now my question is, where do the fucking eggs come from? That one is yes, that I will agree is pretty ambiguous as to when the uh, queen would have had time to lay eggs or or even the ability to lay eggs yeah, in that ship off the, in the ev because yeah she pulled her eggs off the pot the gestational yeah. pod or whatever yeah yeah there's like a name that's for true it. like ovipositor or something like that yeah that yeah you're right yeah 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 because i'm like unless she's like carrying it is she, is she carrying it around in her what the fuck would you call that what's the word for her vagina carapace yeah i guess <laughs> i guess bird vagina I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Insect vagina? I don't know. It's terrifying. Whatever it is, it's probably fucking horrifying. So I don't want to really think about it too much. But are the eggs just in? Like I did. And wouldn't she have time to drop them either? Like, was she on? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any That made no sense to me. I was like, where do these fucking eggs come from? And two of them, no less. Because it's like. I'll agree. Yeah. I'll agree with that. That it was. That was little. A little ass we, we Yeah, it is. It is. It is a little bit. A uh, little bit. Aspoli, you could just say Aspoli. <laughs> little little Aspoli, yeah, right out of their asses. They pulled that one. Um, but I will say, I think that the the death of the Xenomorph in Alien Three is the best out of any of the movies, where he gets uh, doused in acid or doused in uh, in the molten lead, and then uh, oh, right, gets right. And doused then in the cold water, yeah. and and then explodes basically. Yeah, yeah, like. Um, Blowing it out, blowing the queen out into space, somewhat anticlimactic. Like well, even because it's the same death. Well, and is it even dead? Yeah, like maybe not, but like could just be floating out there, you know, just angry yeah, and forever, <laughs> pissed off, just pissed off, floating out there. <laughs> um, but like it is probably the most interesting death that one of them has. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. I love. I love you're coming my way. Well, the sequel. The, this. Well, 
I mean, it's a good time. <laughs> but like that whole sequence, like the special effects failure in this movie is astounding to me. Like it is so fucking slip shoddily done. That whole chase sequence where they're trying to get it into the, the refinery. Oh, I, I love that sequence. Really? Where the fucking like PS1 graphics fucking aliens crawling terribly composited they're, on the background. They are composited in and they're clearly like rotoscoping them in kind of thing. And yeah, that is fucking horrifyingly bad. So I don't think it looks that bad. It, it doesn't look great. Bad. It looks but... pretty fucking bad. Too. <laughs> um, they would have been better off just getting a guy in a suit and speeding up the film. It would have looked shitty. <laughs> But at least it would have looked like it was actually in the room with them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that they they maybe reached a little bit past the capabilities of the uh, technology CG, at the time, the kind of thing. Time. Yeah, well, it's not even like CG, right? Like it looks like it was like stop motion that they. No, then, apparently, like, apparently it was apparently it was all CG. Really? Yeah. yeah, that actually looks pretty good for fucking 1992 CG. It's ninety. Is it ninety two? I thought it was ninety. Yeah. Three or four? No, uh, Alien Three is ninety fucking two. Like uh, that looks really good for the the only thing that really glaringly looks is uh, looks CG is the point where the uh, aliens like dome uh, the head cracks after having come out of or after having the uh, water sprayed on it. You can pretty clearly see there that like the cracks that form in its head. That's definitely a CG shot. Okay. But besides that, they don't they don't look to me at least like CG shots. I just like like the compositing looks really bad in that the chase scenes. Like when you see it running at you, kind of on it the is. Thing, I'm like, yeah. Whoa, that looks like it's not even in the same fucking hemisphere. So I I agree. There, there is there is some jarring shit there. Um, yeah, I I will that's agree with that. I will fucking grant that that's very nitpicky, but it is just like it is. It's one of those things that like takes you out of something, which is like, okay, that does not look like it's in the same fucking physical reality as the characters that it's chasing. Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> Um, I do, I really do like the end though. Like, even though it is fucking dire and not uplifting at all, but like Ripley making the ultimate sacrifice to save humanity from the greed and foolishness of Wyland Yutani, uh, and that you have like this cycle of birth and death linked as the, you know, uh, queen bursts out of her chest just as she's killing herself to prevent it from getting out into the world. I like that scene. You're using a lot of big words to sell your point, Tim. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's Fincher, right? Like, he clearly, yeah. he's the kind of guy that intends this sort of shit, right? Yeah, he doesn't absolutely. just put it in to throw it away. Um, and then... Did he know? <laughs> and then the movie then closes with, like, uh, I, I thought I think this that the, the way this movie ends is a fitting end to this trilogy if they'd never made any other movies after this. Like, where it closes with Ripley's report from the end of the first movie playing in the EED. Yeah. And uh, I think that this movie overall is the smartest of the trilogy, even though it may outsmart itself a couple times and to the point where it makes it a little less accessible. I think it's definitely the most, the smartest movie of the first three. I think probably, well, maybe not once you get into like Prometheus and Covenant, because they get a little bit more mythology kind of thing, but. Well, I don't know. Prometheus's mythology was a little oddly (laughs) pieced together too. So there is that, but I don't, I don't, I don't disagree that there is probably there's probably a good movie in there somewhere that like not to quote Archer but like an infinite amount of time and if you were somebody <laughs> else I could teach it kind of thing but like <laughs> like I don't think there's there's a concept there that works pretty well but I think the execution is so flawed that it kind of takes it away. You know yeah, I, mean? I think it's just a matter of if if you can see past the execution which I guess I can and you cannot. 
I, and I think I think the assembly cut does help in a lot of ways. Like it does, it has about 20, 25 minutes back into the movie. And that's that the one I just watched. And, I, and I'm still having these questions where I'm like, this is not a mm. movie that I want to sit through again, ever. I don't even know why <laughs> I did, really. I just kind of like ended up watching Alien and Aliens and was like, I have the third one. I guess I could try and watch it again. It's been a million years, but... I. Here's the part where I will agree with you on a couple points. Yes, it was pretty disjointed. Uh, it did obviously have major issues during pre-production um, and was, like I said, was essentially shooting without a script. And out of the first three movies, this definitely has the worst score uh, easily because it's really just a mess. It's all over the fucking place. Like there's parts of it where it's really percussion heavy. There are parts of it where it's really string heavy. There are parts of it where it's really brass heavy and stuff like that. Well, this is why he found Trent Reznor. Because he needed somebody to do a consistent score for him. Yeah. Actually, the 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 David Fincher, like the current David Fincher doing an alien movie with a Trent Reznor score is a fucking movie I want to see. Somebody <laughs> needs to make, get that movie made. Like I could watch that. David Fincher would never ever fucking come close to this franchise ever again. Yeah. But it is a movie that I would fucking pay to see, probably. Yeah. Mainly because it means I would get more Trent Reznor music, but that's <laughs> All right, so we are past two hours at this point. Do we go through our top scenes or do we wrap up? I think we should re- probably wrap up. All right. Um, my, my, I, I do have a question for you though. Like you've defended Alien Three pretty voraciously here. <laughs> I don't know if I'm buying it, but that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. I still love you, Timmy. <laughs> it's not your favorite one though, right? No, no. Alien, the first Alien movie, is definitely my favorite. Like if you go through my list of like favorite scenes, there's eight or ten from the first movie, and maybe two or three from Alien 3. Okay. Do you like it better than the second one, though? That one is a tough call. Huh. Like, the James Cameron movie is, like, it's a fun romp, but it's not, like, I prefer movies that make you think a little bit more kind of thing, and the third movie definitely makes me think more. Like, um... And in terms of sort of the the building uh, building of the mythology kind of thing, like uh, I think they both add quite a bit to that. Like I love the queen, and I love that scene where like Ripley finds herself in the queen's sort of nest yeah. and everything, and and starts blowing holes in it, and that loader battle and stuff like that. But I also really love that concept of the xenomorphs taking on characteristics of the host as well, which is from the third movie. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's close between those two for me. I do I love both of them. That's interesting because like I I wouldn't I would not I wouldn't put the I wouldn't put the third one anywhere in the same league as the first two. Like by, by I mean country mile. The second one is very procedural as well. Like it's not a hard movie to make. Like yeah. James Cameron did a good movie on it or did ver- a good good job with it. But I feel like a lot of people could have made that movie. Yeah. Okay. sort of thing and uh and it is very much like a like it's a you know sort of starship troopers kind of that's the thing like would they have made yeah. it as well as he did because i think you're right like it is an easy movie to make like that's a like and obviously because fucking everybody makes that movie now like that's literally like every third movie is that movie mm. but, like it there's a reason why it was so fucking influential right like because it was fucking really well done like james cameron's mm-hmm. got a lot of problems in the way he does certain things but like making a big fucking sci-fi action movie is not something he sucks at yeah, this is true. I guess I don't. Know. I haven't seen fucking Avatar either. So <laughs> comment on how he does it now, but anyway. Um. All right. To finish up, uh, what is your favorite iteration of the Xenomorph? Favorite version out of any of the movies? 
the really hidden version of the first one, I think, is probably the best. Like once they obviously there's some shots that are very blatantly like this is dude in suit, kind dude of in suit, yeah, rubber suit. But I, but I think when they're like they're playing up the like the black on black kind of like yeah that kind of aspect of it, I think that's what like draws me to Alien. Like it's not something that, like as an illustrator, this is like something that I would never draw. Like I never try and draw the thing because it's just like how do you draw so much black on black and make it look cool? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I, I do love those shots. I have to say, if I had to pick one, I do really love the queen. I love basically any version that's uh, less human and like more animal and foreign and feral kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think I do really like the like quadrupedal like runner from Alien 3, just because it's faster, it's scarier, it can fucking spit acid. Um, that, I think, is well, my favorite AVP, version of it. spit acid, so there is that. Yeah, that's true. Spitting acid at everything. So. <laughs> Um, but that one just seems like scary to me. Like they almost run in like sort of an insecty kind of way. Um, and they can like run on the ceilings and shit like that too. And yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Least, least favorite Xenomorph. Let's finish off with that. Uh, there's the one from Covenant count. The new, the real. Okay. The backburster, like the white ones that like, yeah, they have a couple shots in there where they're just kind of blatantly standing around. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, they should never show the creature that way. Like, it, it's almost too much. Really? So, okay. Yeah. That that was that was probably the problem I had with Covenant the most. Like that, and, and I I can't I, like I've only seen it once, so I can't remember specifically. But it's like it's where the captain comes in, like uh, Billy Crudup's character comes in and shoots the xenomorph as it's standing there, like kind of interacting with David. Mm-hmm. And like, but it's just standing there silently, and they're just blatantly showing the whole thing. I'm like. <laughs> Is, why is it just standing there quietly, sh- standing like that? I think I, I'm like it looks ridiculous. It looks. Ri- I don't think it looks good in white either, which is kind of maybe like my design what? illustrator kind of thing. But. <laughs> I'm surprised if you don't like white xenomorphs that it wasn't the uh, the newborn from Alien oh, Resurrection. See, fuck that movie. Cause that's because like, that's mine. Like the Predalien from AVP Requiem is a fucking mess, but the fucking gooey newborn alien human hybrid from the first movie that is just fucking disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that movie is quite possibly the worst thing Joss Whedon has ever written. I know that, that, sh- that fucking horrible line from X-Men is pretty bad too. <laughs> well, I mean, as a whole. Yeah, true. Yeah. For um, sure. Like I, I did, I did not feel bad at all when that fucking thing got its organs sucked through its body out into space. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> that thing was just fucking disgusting and See, i don't even think about that as like uh as like a, an iteration of the xenomorph because it's just it's like a hybrid and blah 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 and it doesn't look anything like well, they're all hybrids in a way yeah i guess but it doesn't really look anything like like what a classic xenomorph kind of should look like like it's so removed from it that i'm like eh, whatever yeah it's just some shitty like when was that movie made like 2000 or something like that uh something like that yeah, yeah. whatever either way piece of garbage <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, obviously, we have a lot of love for these movies, although some of them are clearly better than others. Yeah. Uh, so with that, you guys let us know what's your favorite uh, favorite alien, favorite scenes, favorite movies in this series. Uh, there's obviously a lot to love and clearly a lot to hate as well. Um, you can do so on our uh, Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. You can hit us up by email at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com uh, slash dance robot dance podcast. And if you have not already, you can subscribe to us on all of your pod catching softwares and websites, Shout Engine, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Store. Apple Podcast is what it's called this week. So fuck that shit. <laughs> uh, so with that, uh, thanks so much for listening. This has been Mark. Have a good night, guys. And Tim signing off.